Yo, what's good, YouTube? Welcome back to another episode of the Shooter Straight Podcast. It's your co-host, Zach. I'm your co-host, G. And welcome back to episode 29 of the Shooter Straight Podcast. First and foremost, we just wanted to thank y'all for all the support we've been getting on other previous episodes, including episode 28. All of the support we've been getting on social media platforms such as Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, YouTube Reels, all that, all those platforms we've been doing good on. We appreciate the continued support. We can continue to run it up. Absolutely. We we love to see you guys' engagement. We see every comment. We respond to every comment. We want to see what you guys have to think about all the topics we touch upon on this episode. So all the links to our, our social medias down in the description. And while you're down there, hit the subscribe button. It's right there. It's free. So, I mean, come on. It's, it's right there. Might as well. Exactly. We're at 337 subscribers right now. We're on the road to 1,000. We appreciate all the support we've been getting. We're going to continue to try to run it up. Yeah. And without further ado... Big games, big games have been happening. World Cups in full swing, and you know we had a we had a couple shockers and a couple good great games to talk about. <laughs> oh man, shockers is an understatement. I mean, <laughs> without further ado, let's just go ahead and get straight into the biggest shock, arguably in, in World Cup history. People are saying this is the biggest upset in World Cup history. Argentina versus Saudi Arabia. Everyone. And every football fan pretty much was waking up at 5 a.m., you know, if you're in the States, to watch this game, myself included. And to, to say I was disappointed is an understatement. But, I, you know, I'll get into my thoughts on it. I'm going to go ahead and pass this one off to you first. You took in the game same way I did. What is your initial reaction to Saudi Arabia being able to beat Argentina? I had to wake up at 5 in the morning to watch that. That performance by Argentina, they came out and they just looked completely out of it. They looked like they didn't show up at all. They looked anxious. They looked nervous. They were they were just jumping the line way too quickly. Got called by eight offsides about during that entire game. Probably eight more. And it was just the fact that even though Argentina didn't play absolutely horribly, the first half they played fairly well. They controlled Saudi Arabia. And they had a, a lot of clear-cut chances that they just couldn't finish. They got unlucky. Like uh, this through the first half and through the entire game, they had 70% possession, 15 shots, six on target to Saudi Arabia's three shots, two on tar target, and the passes. Argentina had 596 complete to Saudi Arabia's 266. If I read you that stat line without the score, you would say that's a comfortable win for Argentina. That was just not the case. This. This is a bit of a microcosm to me because I don't think this is really what Argentina's about. That, you know, they came out the second half and they just looked like they were napping. They looked horrible. They got they got beat to every tackle. They got out they got out physical. They 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 didn't have the physicality to keep up with the Saudi players in the second half. And that's what led to them getting conceded by two goals in five minutes. That's not like Argentina to give up two goals in five minutes. Especially one was a screamer, to be fair. One was a very, very great goal. But it's uncharacteristic. And for the rest of the game, they just looked like they couldn't they couldn't find their rhythm. And you have to be fair. You have to give the Saudis credit. They had a great defensive setup. At a, uh, they're playing a 4-4-1-1. Four, four, uh, four, four, one, one. And just how, how they were coached, they were well, they're well defended. But let's let's not let's not act like uh Saudis, this you know, all all-time great defensive team. Argentina controlled this game very well it's just one of those things where i believe they they beat saudi nine out of ten times but this was that one time yeah. and 
to take to take it back to you know because we had them as our pick and I'm not backing down as they're they're my pick to win I still think they're going to win it all I think they they had to lose a the game they're on a 36 game unbeaten streak that's never going to last forever they're going to have to lose and I would rather them have lost this game than lose it later on when it matters so mm-hmm. it's good that they they got this loss already off you know they they don't got to worry about carrying on this unbeaten you know carrying on all the longest record of unbeaten in, in uh, national team history who gives a shit now they're going to come back they're going to understand that they have to play better and they got to start out strong and they got to hold their runs by just a second. They hold their runs just by a second. They score four. And then this is, this is not a conversation. We're not, no one's talking yeah. about, oh, are Argentina going to make out the group and, you know, all, all this nonsense and stuff. But, you know, to, to take it back to even uh, Spain in 2010 when they won the World Cup, they lost their first opening game to Switzerland. And not even right. talking about the uh, when Argentina won their first World Cup or Maradona, they lost their opening match game too. It's not unheard of that this happens. It's just, you know, re, you know, recency bias that, you know, Argentina are one of the favorites and they happen to lose to Saudi Arabia. And people are like, oh, who the hell is Saudi Arabia? They're, they're a good little side. But, um, you know, this all comes down to the fact that it's Argentina, that it's Messi. Oh, Messi lost, you know? <laughs> but... Yeah. From from the looks of the the rest of the group, Poland and Mexico, they they don't they don't look like world beaters, you know. And I think uh, yeah. Argentina are just going to run the table. They're going to win. They're going to beat them both, and they're going to finish top of the group still. And I don't I I don't have them losing another game. It's just one of those things that they they were going to lose one game, and I would rather it be this one than any other one. Hundred percent. And I, I, I know. Yeah, I, I know you had a similar s- similar thoughts there, but uh, what were your you know initial reactions after watching that game? A hundred percent. Before I get into Argentina, which is obviously the big storyline because they're the big favorites, and I picked them to win the World Cup, so did you as well. I would just like to give Saudi Arabia their flowers because it was a masterclass performance. First and foremost, Herves Renaud, the manager, he has transformed the Saudi team and in, in, in a way that. Nobody ever expected. Obviously, he has pedigree in international football, winning two African Cup of Nations trophies with Zambia and the Ivory Coast. So obviously, he has championship pedigree, and he has the ability to win cup matches in a one-off game, especially against quality opponents because the AFCON is, is one of the most competitive tournaments, especially in the international play. Also, he was able to take Morocco to their first World Cup when he was manager for them. Now he's transformed this Saudi team and he had an absolute tactical masterclass today of the highest degree. He showed off how to execute the offside trap better than any other, any other instance that I've seen in recent memory. It was an absolute bold play to do that, especially given how Argentina play. And it was just such a bold move to do that given you're going to let Argentina have the ball most of the time, and you're going to play a really, really high line, which is risky. You're going to let Argentina get in behind, and you're going to let them and, ho- and hope, uh, let them run in behind and hope that the offside gets called. You know, And obviously, there was a few questionable ones there, which I'll get into in a second. But ultimately, it was an absolute tactical masterclass. He has these players playing amazingly. And to be fair, I think Saudi Arabia could make it out of the group now. It's not, it's not crazy for, for that to be said. I think given how we saw Poland and Mexico play, I think Saudi might be the second yeah, best yeah. team in this group. I genuinely, they, 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 because I, the way that they play. I said it after, it, yeah. I don't think it's crazy. To say after that. the Poland and Mexico game, I think Saudi could beat Mexico. I mean, no, I, I think Saudi I, could I, beat I Poland. Think I, I, I think they could as well. It, it's not crazy to say that. 
And that's full credit to her, Renaud, for being able to do that. Obviously, they did score a screamer, but it was the the exact opposite happened that what I expected. Obviously, Argentina go in at halftime up 1-0. And I texted this to you. I said, okay, I expect Argentina to come out at halftime, out of halftime, and they're going to put their foot on the gas and they're going to take the scruff, take the game by the scruff of the neck and it, it's going to be over. The exact opposite happened. They came out, they opposite, were complacent. Yeah. Saudi Arabia came out. I don't know what this guy told them at the halftime team talk, but my God, they came out looking like, 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 like Pele and R9. They all came <laughs> back. They're all freaking playing for Saudi now. Dude, it was unbelievable. They, the physicality that they had, they were, they were just bullying Argentina's defense and midfield. Yeah. And I think that was the biggest problem with, with uh, Argentina that they played a, a four two three one. I didn't I didn't really like it just because of the fact that their midfield they weren't really playing through the midfield. There was a lot of uh, playing with the the right backs and left backs and just swinging out to Di Maria, su- swinging out to Papu Gomez. Like it's it can work, and I think some of the best play came from that wing having Di Maria co- coming in there. But that's about, that's, the fact that's that, the that, they, they that that is the only only play they really had, and they couldn't really play through the middle because the Saudis were so so physical in the midfield and in the defense. And when it came to the second half, they just bullied them off the ball and got shots off. And, you know, when you look at the stats, it's just like, well, shit, they were just way more clinical, like three shots and two on target. Like that happens to you. You just like, well, what the hell is, you know, it's just like they, they couldn't miss. And, yeah. you know, they, they weren't, they were not easy chances. Like, you know, they, they were hard chances to score and, no. to, and to finish. And, um, the first it, it one just was comes a, down a, to the fact that finish, and obviously the second one yeah, was a great screamer. finish and then the second one was screamer and um it just Argentina got uh had a 5 minute stretch where they got caught and that was it they they were bad for 5 minutes and Saudi were able to capitalize 100% it's it's one of those things lapse of concentration in the world cup it can cost you and that's what Argentina that's what happened to Argentina today ultimately it was and and, and call me crazy I was thinking this at the time. I still kind of believe this. I think when you're a team like Argentina and you know you're playing a team that is quote-unquote worse than you and you know that they're going to set up counterattack uh, you know, in a way that you know, I don't think anyone expected Saudi to play exactly how they play with this high line offside trap. But to a certain extent, they were putting everyone behind the ball and, and you know, that's how they, you're going to have to break us down that way. I will mm-hmm. just go ahead and say that is significantly harder. Even though the, the talent-wise, is, it's very discrepant. I would just say it's very hard to break down 11 guys behind the ball. I don't think going forward for Argentina that Poland and Mexico are going to play quite as deep. They're going to want to come out and play their style of football with Argentina, which caters more to Argentina's skill set. When you're going to just play a deep block and you're just going to let Argentina pass around the back to a certain extent because that's kind of all they were able to do, pass sideways and go backwards. When When that's all you can do, it's it's tough, and when you have and you couldn't even do it with the greatest playmaker of all time, Lionel Messi. Obviously, it, it it's not looking good. I would just say, when teams come out to play a little bit more, when they play higher quality teams per se that have a little bit more skill, or at least on paper, they're gonna play a little bit more attacking football, which is gonna open up more lanes for Argentina, which is gonna make it a little bit easier for them to play in between the lines, which is obviously where Messi likes to pick up the ball where Messi wants to have the ball and then you know playing those through passes to Di Maria playing those passes to Lautaro Martinez we just had to see we just had to see Argentina play a very direct style pretty much playing long balls from the center backs through on goal because that's all they could do because the the line was so pinched they couldn't get it through the mid they couldn't get through the middle because because of how they played and it was it was you know that's that's football at the end of the day that is why 
anyone can beat anyone. It was great. It was great tactics. Obviously, it's you know that's not an excuse for Argentina. They still need needed to win this game. I don't care what tactics are being played. I don't care if they're playing eleven men behind the ball. You have the greatest player of all time, in my opinion. You, I picked them to win the World Cup. They have to win this game. So it's not an excuse. I will just say when they play Poland and when they play Mexico next that those teams are going to come out to play a little bit more. They're going to want to attack. They're going to want to score goals more so than Argent- or than Saudi Arabia, who are just kind of playing on mm-hmm. the counter. They weren't looking to get anything out of that game realistically, and it just so happened that they were able to. That's yeah. why, for the most part, I agree I'm with you. I'm not too worried about Argentina. I think that this was the wake-up call that they needed. I'm glad it came now. We've seen it in the past, like you mentioned, Spain and Argentina back in 1980. They lost their opening game. They were able to go on. Obviously, maybe they didn't quite lose to teams on paper as bad as Saudi Arabia. But I think, you know, Saudi Arabia are just better than what we all gave them credit for at the end of the day. They're a yeah. very underrated team. And it's they've proven themselves now. Argentina, all things considered, they won this game on expected goals 2.26 to 0.15. That's a, that's a complete and utter domination. I mean, yeah. they had 0.15 expected goals. You know, I mean, that's pretty much you're scoring the most difficult goals you could possibly score. They scored two of them. Two goals on 0.15 XG is absolutely unbelievable for Saudi Arabia. It's what it takes to beat a, a team like Argentina. And not every game is going to go like that. You're not going to score screamers every game. DePaul mm-hmm. is not going to play as terrible as he played this game. You know, there was, just, good, yeah. there was just a couple players, you know, DePaul included, that they needed, they were nervous. You know, you could just tell they weren't quite in, in, in the anxious, right mindset. Yeah. It, it, was, it was the jitters needed to get out. And obviously, now there's going to be maybe even more pressure on this next game coming up against Mexico. But I think that they're going to be able to, able to respond. And this was just a wake-up call that they needed. That's why I can't really be too worried. Because ultimately, you know, not to make an excuse, but, you know, we've seen uh, ultimately now in the replay after the fact, Lautaro Martinez's second goal that was ruled offside, they should have should have counted. You know, the VAR, ultimately, you know, it wouldn't have, we don't know how it would have changed the landscape of the game, but Argentina would have went up 2-0. Lautaro Martinez's goal gets ruled off for offsides. And on the replay that they showed, he was offside, but it's come out now that VAR did not take into account the Saudi Arabia left back, which kept him on sides. Yeah. It's one of those things, you know, you can give your opinion on VAR, but I just think in terms of how that relates to Argentina, they were a little bit unlucky. Saudi Arabia had a masterclass. I'm not worried about Argentina. Pump the brakes. They're making it out of the group. Let's not get carried away here. I know because it's Lionel Messi, because he's, you know, the most one of the most talked about footballers of all time, which also makes you one of the most scrutinized footballers of all time. Everyone wants to laugh at him. Everyone wants to say Argentina are making it out of the group. They're overrated. They're this, they're that. Pump the brakes. Argentina will be okay. Yeah. And even going back to uh, like uh, the whole, there's a whole mental side of the fact that, you know, Latara Martinez going through and scoring, it's it's hard to get over that hump. It's like you're you're creating all these chances. You're scoring but they're getting called back. They're every single one's getting called back. And as a player, you're doing this and you're thinking, what, 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 what do we have to do? We're, you know, it's already hard enough to break down this team. That's literally 11 people behind the ball. And when we do, we're offside every single time. And I think that that had to do with a little bit of them just being anxious. They're jumping, you know, jumping the lines a little bit too quickly. 
And I think that's something that they will adjust. I, I thought they'd adjust by halftime, but they, they needed they needed this game. They did not, but this is I think this is a game they needed to, you know, fully readjust and get back, you know, and just see yeah. what they have to do to get better. Yeah, and ultimately I believe that they're gonna be fine. They're gonna be able to do that. You know, what gives me the most hope is that Poland and Mexico, neither of them convinced me and won me over saying that, oh my God, you know, these teams, ooh, they they're they're the ones. They're they're the ones that are gonna uh, finish yeah. off Argentina. You know, we could have said the same thing about Saudi Arabia, but at the end of the day, you know, Lewandowski wasn't convincing today at all. He had one touch in the box. You know, we'll we'll get into our exact thoughts on Mexico and Poland, but, you know, it's ultimately one of those things. Uh, Unless you have anything to say about this match, I'd like to look forward to their next match against Mexico and just get your thoughts on uh, if uh, you think that, well, I think I I know the answer to this, but will Argentina be able to rebound and will they be able to get the win against Mexico? Absolutely, I th- I think they're they're going to come out and they're going to come out with a, a little bit more you know uh, uh, st- a little bit more front step. They're going to come out stronger. You're not going to see as much you know them sleeping as we did this this game against Saudi uh, Saudi Arabia in the second half. And I think they're going to win this game pretty comfortably. I think I, I have it two nil, and. You know, I think Lataro Martinez gets on the scoreboard. He actually scores a goal this this time, and that's not offside. <laughs> And um, you know they they get they get their their journey back on track because I yeah. mean even Messi after Messi after an interview he, he told he urged the fans to stay calm we got this it, this is this is something they know that they know they're not invincible they're gonna drop they're gonna lose a game but mm-hmm. the, he's just saying you know steady the ship this this is gonna be all right we're gonna we're, we're gonna figure this out and I trust yeah. him. I'm gonna no. trust Messi I think I think it's I, I trust, him. trust Messi I trust him as well I think I think Argentina and they're going to be able to rebound, and I think they're going to be able to take care of business against Mexico. Like, for the reasons that I said earlier, Mexico are not going to play the same style of football that Saudi Arabia tactically masterclassed against Argentina They're today. going to be open to counter, yeah. They're going to be open. It's going to be a more attacking game. It's going to be a great game to watch, I feel like, because, you know, if I took away anything from Mexico against Poland, which we'll get into, you know, Mexico, they're going to come out to play. They're going to try to be a little bit more attacking. That's going to suit Argentina more so than how Saudi Arabia played. Ultimately, Argentina, they just have more quality than, than Mexico. Mexico are not going to be able to keep up quite up with that attacking style of, of Argentina. You know, the attacking options for Argentina are just better than Mexico at the end of the day. And I think that's going to be able to carry them forward. I would say, though, it is slightly going to be concerning, you know, based on how this lineup uh, potentially changes for Argentina because, you know, you hinted that you would like to see a formation change. I don't know if that's necessarily going to happen. I think it, it's a possibility. Yeah, but I, I would just I would I, I would just say I do think Otamendi should not be starting in this team. Lisandro Martinez should be starting the next game, and, and it's just my opinion. I think Lisandro Martinez is a better center back, and you know it was interesting to me because they ended up subbing on Lisandro Martinez, but they subbed off Romero and to get on Martinez for some reason. This guy loves Otamendi. What has Otamendi done like, to deserve the spot? He likes the veterans. He likes the veterans. He's a veteran of the game. Understand. Otamendi is not that guy. It, you know, I'm not putting the, the loss on him by any stretch of the imagination. But Otamendi is not that guy. Lissandro Martinez is a significantly better player. You know, I would like to see him starting. Ultimately, I don't think besides then, I, I don't think, you know, benching DePaul would be a good move by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, absolutely you know? not, no. Uh, obviously, he played bad, but, you know, you were able to like give him an opportunity to recover. He's not gonna. He's never. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen him play that bad before for Argentina. It was just the first <laughs> yeah, game jitters. Yeah, you know, we 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 were 
giving our flowers to DePaul, saying how great he always plays for Argentina. And this is how he comes out and plays, you know, it's like, <laughs> this is how he rewards us, that bad. Argentina yeah. as a whole, are not going to do that bad. And I expect Messi to come out and be the Messi that we all know at the end of the day. I think, yeah, I, I expect a, a, a couple goal contributions at the very least against Mexico. Yeah, I, I think so as well. Yeah. But, um, I mean, finishing on that one into the another game that grabbed a lot of headlines the opener which was qatar versus ecuador you know this is the first time we've ever seen qatar in a world cup yeah and i just wanted i just wanted to get your early reactions i had a couple tweets that i had out you know i i may have not been very happy with qatar but um i'll get in that uh, after uh, you give your take on it yeah Look, you can have your opinions about Qatar. Should they be even in the World Cup? Should they have been hosting the World Cup? Do you respect them as a country or, uh, you know, whatever? That's neither here nor there. I'll leave that for uh, up for debate. In terms of what we saw on the pitch against Ecuador, my general consensus, and I think everyone was, Qatar is not good at all. They are not a good team. <laughs> this, team is, this team is not good. Uh, to be fair, I don't think that they would ever have qualified for a World Cup if they weren't a host country. So, you know, I, I guess that's good for them that they get the opportunity. Uh, I don't see much from this team, considering the fact that they they stopped their league play and they've been training for this as a team for so long to prepare for the World <laughs> Cup. And this is what we got? You've been training for, I don't know, was it six months or something like that? So that you could be a cohesive unit and prove yourself in the World Cup. And this was the showing that we got. It was an absolutely despicable performance. It, it, I mean, Ecuador come out. And let's not, look, I give Ecuador credit for how they were able to come out in this game. But let's not act like Ecuador is a bunch of world beaters by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> and they came out three that, minutes they're, in. They're, they're, they're bottom like, five ranked in the entire tournament. That's what I'm saying. Ecuador is not, they're not, a, they're not bad, but they're not a, the best team in the world. And Ecuador came out, and it looked like they had R9 Ronaldo on the pitch. You know, Enter Valencia has turned into prime R9. It was absolutely He almost had a perfect hat trick. He almost uh, had uh, a perfect it, hat trick. And to be fair, he probably should have, you know, based on what we saw. I was just about to touch on that. After that first Enter Valencia goal gets ruled off for offsides, you know, I, I thought the fix was in. I thought the fix was in. I was like, oh, this is it. <laughs> I, it's dude, over. I could I tweeted immediately with the picture and saying, how is this offside? And weirdly enough, I got mixed reactions to so people were explaining. Even you came out to explain, that, oh yeah, there's um there's only one player behind the goalkeeper, so that makes it offside. Yeah. But when the one, it took them about five minutes for the broadcasters to explain why it was because they couldn't understand why it was offside either. Because it's yeah. one of those rules that you don't see a lot. Like you don't really see like oh that 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 rule called into play. But even when it was. That was not the reason why they called it because there was only exactly. one player behind the goalkeeper. They called it because it said the initial pass that went in was offside. And I I think, like, how, how'd you make that call? It's literally a cluster. There's, like, if people colliding and everything, and they, they just go to show this weird – they, they're starting to show this with this weird animated, like, oh, this animated player figure on the offside. I don't care you show me shit. I don't believe it. I just don't – you could be showing me anything. I, I just don't care because – I think it's just so stupid that the games come down to this fact. This this going to the yeah. bigger picture of VAR. Of uh, I hate that it comes down to the almost the molecules. Like we're we're removing players out of the frame completely and using this animated like um you know almost like um algorithm to where okay yeah he's offside. It's like that that's literally like that's 
impossible for the human eye to call. It's just basically a technology-driven game now. It's like at, at one point, when do we stick, take the players out there? We're gonna do more. We're just gonna do you know playing simulations. Like it's ridiculous, man. Like like the 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 goal should have stood, but I think that, that's why I tweeted out that Qatar. I think I still believe they're trying everything they can. They're using every little. Every little squeeze of the, you know, the, the get the little uh, luck of the coin flip to, to save them from that. But this team is so bad that there's not, there's not amount of corruption in the world to hide, to push this, this shambles of a team past the round of 16. And look, I got to apologize to the Netherlands that I chose this team to go to the round 16, but partial of that was the fact that I thought maybe they could, you know, get a little, you know, lucky calls by the ref. But after that game, absolutely not. There, there, there's no hiding this team. It's, it, it'd be like trying to sneak an elephant in the mall. There's there, you can't, you, you can't get that through. It's not working. The, and especially to Ecuador, Ecuador. Okay. Look, Valencia played well. He played, he played very well. You know, two goals in your opener. What else can you ask for? You know, you get, you get a you get a two nil win against a team that's playing five in the back that are trying to defend with their lives, but they they, they can't they can't guard a parked car. Like they they can't defend nothing, and they can't. You, and they still lost two nil. It's like Qatar. I would be surprised if they even score a goal in open play. I I would I would be shocked if they score one goal, I, I, let I alone win a game. Let alone win a fucking game. The only way Qatar are scoring is if Sepp Blatter comes back and beats the FIFA president again. It's the only way it's happening. <laughs> They're going to need prime Sepp Blatter corruption in order for Qatar to do anything in this. It, it's, it. It, that's not going to happen, obviously. It's not happening. And I, I would just the say, first team, the first team exactly. in, uh, in, you know, to ever host the World Cup to lose their opening game. It's just like, Jesus, man. It's not. It's not good for Qatar. You know, yeah, I, 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 would... I had a little sympathy for him, but you know, it's just like the amount of things that gone into this World Cup. I have no sympathy for this team no more. I want them to lose every game five <laughs> nil. Like I, just, I want to see them gone. How many goals will the Netherlands be able to put past this team, bro? I think they're going for a touchdown. It might be seven nil. The, the fact, the fact that the Netherlands probably play five in the back as well. It might be, you know, it's the Netherlands. Though. I think if they play Depay, Depay might, you know. He might come out with some basketball stats or something, you know. He might get he's like gonna, you know, he's gonna you know get thirty damn just points off that game, <laughs> just off that one game. You know, that's another thing we didn't even take that into account. It's like whoever has guitar in their group, if you play guitar, you might get three. If if Valencia's getting two, who should have gotten three, how much is the pie gonna get? You know, it's like yeah. it's ridiculous. Yeah, I man. think they they don't deserve to be on the stage. No, no, they don't. And and that's why it's kind of like one of the things, like I said, they never would have made a World Cup if they weren't the host nation because they're just not Absolutely. good. They're just not good enough. It's not good enough. It's no disrespect to them as footballers or anything like that, but they need to go or back to the As a country, board. it's just that. Yeah, it's just them. As, and they, you need, know. they need to start, you know, they need to get back in the training ground and, and get better, I guess. It's just one of those things. <laughs> they, they need another six months. You know, maybe, maybe they should have done this, you know, four years ago. Yeah, they should have just stopped, you know, like yeah, as soon as they found out they were all because they stopped everything for four years straight. They should have done it. Even that yeah, might have straight. been good enough. That wouldn't have been enough time for them. And it's hard for me to give a, a accurate uh, representation of Ecuador because you're playing Qatar. Like, how how good is this Ecuadorian team? I mean, they looked like they looked like Barcelona out there compared to Qatar. But does that mean that they're going to actually like be able to compete with Brazil. Senegal? Are they going to be able to compete with the Netherlands? Like, 
ultimately it's looking like the Ecuador Senegal game might decide who finishes uh yeah, who finished second, second in the group. And you know, Senegal they weren't the best, but they were unlucky, I would say, to uh with their result against the Netherlands. They were unlucky that, to yeah, not have that, scored. They were unlucky chances. to lose two nil. But Ecuador, you know, they have seven consecutive clean sheets now in uh, international play. They dominated this game. Obviously, Inter Valencia had a masterclass. And one name I would just like to go out and, and say, uh, one to watch, especially for this Ecuadorian team going forward, Estupin Yan from Brighton and Hove. Uh, he's the left back. I have him in my FIFA Estupin. team. And for Ecuador, he absolutely ran the show. And it's weird to say that a left back ran the show. But he had the most touches, the most final passes, joint most tackles. He put on an absolute show down the left flank, and he absolutely ran that play for Ecuador. Obviously, Ender Valencia gets the goals, but if you listen to the commentators, every other every other time, he was saying, Estupinian has the ball, Estupinian has the ball. He always had the ball. He was absolutely running the show. So that's someone that is one to watch out for. But it's hard to 100% say, you know, Ecuador, they're a, a quality team, or they've proven themselves because it was Qatar. You know, and it's just, it's tough to actually give a fair judgment on them. It's one of those things when they play their next match, we'll probably learn more about Ecuador. How good are they? You know, are they able to get a draw in their next match? Are they able to win their next match? If they're able to do that, then they've proven themselves. But I just don't quite know if that's going to happen. It's one of those things. The World Cup for Ecuador really starts when they play their next match. Because this was just basically a warm-up game. Yeah, basically. Absolutely. And, and, I agree. And the fact that we have to sit through another Qatar, two more Qatar games, two oh more Qatar God. games. What's the over unders on them scoring? I'm I, I'm pulling all on the under. It, Give me all the over under zero point five. I'm taking the under. <laughs> so the only way they're scoring is if they get a pen. But in order to get yeah, a penalty, they, they have to get, they have to get the ball in the opponent's box. Yeah. It, oh, that that was something else I didn't even talk about. That that they only had the box. They were only in uh, Valencia's box three times. In 90 minutes and with zero shots on target. With zero shots on target. You can't even give them a pen because they're only in the box three damn times. What are you gonna do? As soon as they touch the box, you're gonna you're gonna go, oh, that's a pen. It's just like <laughs> shit, man. You can't you can't even help these guys. It's like I think if this is as corrupt as we would think, you know, they're they're sitting in the room back back with the refs. It's like, okay, how are we gonna give you this game? It's like, can y'all get in the box for us? And they, they can't do it. They're just they incapable. Can't they it's can't just string like, together three can't passes. Even do that. <laughs> just, you know, it's just uh, they're shambles, absolute shambles. But, you it know, just goes to show enough, that a team like this probably yeah. shouldn't be getting the World Cup. But moving forward probably onto not. the next one. But, you know, enough with, you know, this that shatters of football. Time time for another pretty blockbuster game that I, that was a bit of a, you know, I, I wasn't expecting to be quite quite a, you know, somewhat entertaining game for one side, you know. But it was England versus Iran. Mm-hmm. And I want, uh, obviously, they, they, they won 6-2. And I wanted to get your thoughts on them because you laid in heavy on Southgate, you know, driving the bus. You're driving this, uh, you know, the get them out bus. What was your thoughts on this performance from England? Well, first and foremost, I expected Iran to be better than what they were. And it's one of those things. It's hard. Like I, like I said previously with Qatar, it's hard for me to fully say how good this England team really is and have they 100% proved themselves because it was Iran. You know, they're, they're solid, but they've, they've just gone ahead and shown that they're nothing, they're nothing special. But, 
you know, obviously England dominated the match, 78% possession, eight corners, 13 shots. But the, the alarming thing for me, their expected goals in the match, 2.11, and Iran had 1.75. So, you know, in terms of expected goals, it, it seems as if England, you know, they scored some worldies. They scored, they they showed off their clinical finishing, but they didn't create unnecessarily enough chances to have six goals. You know, they overperformed, and that just mm -hmm. goes to show the, the depth and quality between two teams. But given how we have just seen Argentina play against Saudi Arabia, you have to give England 100% credit for coming out and putting the foot on the ground and taking care of business against Iran because let's not act like they're scrubs. You know, we just don't quite know how good they are and how they match up. It's just one of those things. I'm not quite 100% convinced on Southgate and this England team yet. I think it's a positive step in the right direction. I think, you know, Jude Bellingham, he absolutely played amazing. Uh, Saka, you know, I said he should be starting. And then he did start, and this is what you he get. Did. Harry Kane ran the show, two assists. It was an absolute masterclass performance. And, you know, Saka, he has now scored more World Cup goals than Rooney. I mean, he scored more World Cup goals than Rooney. And Jude <laughs> Bellingham, 100% tackle success, 100% take-ons completed, 97% pass accuracy, seven duels won, one goal, 13 passes into the final third. He absolutely ran the show. What a player he is. He might be the, the number one contender for best young player at the moment at the World Cup. But it, I'm just not 100% sure how good this England team is. And it's going to be telling how they perform against the United States, just how good as they are. Because if this is anything to, to show, and if this is a, a, how, what the England that we're going to get every game, they might win the World Cup. Genuinely, they might be winning the World Cup if they're able to play like this every game. But is that going to happen? Or is this just a little bit of a fluke performance against a team that's not that good? It remains to be seen. I'm not ready to get on here and say England is back. They're winning the World Cup. It's coming home. 1966 and 2020. It's coming home. It, 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 I'm, not, I'm not quite ready to say that yet. After we watch them against the United States, I might be ready to say that. But I'm, not, I'm pumping the brakes on England. It was a quality win. I'm giving them credit. Masterclass performance. They had a lot of good performances individually that impressed me, but I'm not ready to say they are winning the World Cup by any stretch of the imagination. They're going to have to prove a little bit more to me. Yeah, I, th I think we actually saw this a little bit differently. My first initial reactions of this game was, what a statement from the three Lions. The fact that they went out there, 78% possession, like you said, 13 shots, seven on target with six goals. And the pass ratio, they had 797 passes to Iran's 215. They they basically played keep away this entire game. The and just the performance from overall, you know, you talk about, you know, like um Saka and Kane and uh uh Drew Bellingham. Another another player that doesn't really get much praise is Declan Rice. The fact that mm -hmm. he's the ultimate disruptor, he's the backbone of that midfield, played absolutely brilliantly. That the entire team played brilliantly. And they released the lineup, and I, I, I had to tweet out, uh-oh, is this the same old England? They're, they're, you know, bench Phil Foden and starting Harry Maguire. I was like, this doesn't look good. But, they, you know, the, uh, Southgate made me look like a fool. They played great. They played absolutely brilliantly when, when no Phil Foden. And to be fair, Harry Maguire played very well. You know, he, 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 uh, he, went, he went out with uh, what looks to be a concussion. Hopefully he's all right. Because, you know, I think he he plays a big role in, in Southgate's whole system of how he wants to play. He does, but, yeah. 
you know, I think this this whole this whole England performance, they just showed they put the entire tournament on notice that they're here to win it all. That there's no there's no messing about. This team's here to win. And it's not it's not that same team that we saw through the qualifiers that were like, you know, that that were kind of just scraping by. This is a team that as soon as they get the chance, they put they're putting teams to bed. And I get Iran's not a world beater, but to score six on any team that's not Qatar is pretty difficult. <laughs> Uh, it's it's pretty it difficult to put six past you know these teams that you know that that qualify for the World Cup because it takes a it takes a level of standard to get into the World Cup for England just to absolutely wipe the wipe them off the freaking map is it's impressive and you know I gotta give Southgate credit you know he he got he got this one right and but I'm not gonna give the full credit to Southgate I think a lot of this comes down to just individual brilliance of the players I gotta see Southgate do this for the longevity longevity of a tournament. I have to see him finish this out. I think how England played, they should be going undefeated through this group. They should they should be finishing top with no with all their points. And they gotta they gotta go into the round of 16 and get get a favorable matchup. After this one, it made me start to think, you know, how other teams are performing, you know, Argentina, you know, off to a little bit of a slow start. France looking, you know, they they look they look all right, but they they're not untouchable. And we haven't seen Portugal yet, and we haven't seen Germany, but I would I would vault England to that top three, top four range, and I think they're a top four team in this uh, in this World Cup. And I, from that performance, it's just like th- this team, if they could start clicking, and they're going to go into the next game very confident. It's going to be very concerning for the United States that this team is coming in confident, it, you know. And they didn't even use Phil Foden. They you know they didn't really need him, and they just scored for fun. So yeah. This this completely changes how I how I kind of looked at England because I just thought looked at them as you know as tournament fodder that they they probably I think I had them going out in the round I think I got, I had them going the first round of the day. I they could make they could be uh, easily a semifinal team or possibly a final team because this how they played was spectacular. No, I I 100% agree. It was an absolutely spectacular performance, and I'm not denying that. I'm just, I just can't say, I, I agree with what you were saying. I think that they definitely, they've proven themselves as potentially a top four team in this tournament. It's just, it's Iran. I can't, like, they're a quality team, but I'm not ready to go ahead and say they're winning the World Cup yet. You know, obviously that's what people want to hear. That's what people are expecting from England. I'm not mm-hmm. ready to go there yet. And and quite frankly, I don't think you're ready to go there yet either because you didn't say it. I, I, I'm I'm not uh, you know I'm not gonna say yeah they're they're gonna win it but I give them a good shot to make the final a lot of a better shot before I wouldn't even say there's no chance they make the final now I think they they could easily make the final and they could easily win it I think they could easily uh, get to the final and they could win if they get in the final they keep playing like this they can they can do it I I feel that they're a lot more confident I think they beat. You know, I just have to see everybody play first, but I doubt Germany and you know Portugal and all these other teams are going to have a better start, better game one than England had. Yeah, I mean, you have to give them credit. I think I 100% agree with what you said. I, I based on and this, you know, it hurts to say it, but the reality of the situation is I, I 100% expect England to finish good. this. I 100% expect England to finish this group top of the group with nine points. They should, they should be. Wales handily, and quite frankly, they should beat the United States handily, but we'll probably get into they that uh, more in They're depth revolution. when we talk about the United States, you know. I, I yeah. think England, they definitely have proved themselves to be the team that a lot of people thought they were. 
you know, I, I had him going out in the round of 16 in my uh, pre-tournament predictions. You know, it, it might um, it might be time to admit that I was uh, probably a little bit wrong on that. But, you no, know, to, it, yeah. but, you know, a lot remains to be seen. Obviously, you hinted at uh, Harry Maguire's injury with the concussion. And I, I mentioned and this Kane. in my pre- Exactly. I mentioned this in my pre-tournament analysis of England. Their depth, especially on the back line, is, is not it's not looking good. If if, if Harry Walker's Maguire still not back yet. If Harry Maguire is, is out for a longer period of time because of this concussion, which might you know, I don't know if that's gonna happen. Their backup, it's probably gonna be Eric Dyer coming in. He's not giving me faith. You know, and, and not that not that the United States and Wales has absolutely electrifying attacks that is gonna, you know, threaten England so so much that Eric Dyer is gonna be exposed. But if it's a if it's a longer term thing, you know, that's going to be something to watch out for. It's going to be a concern because there are going to be lethal attacks that are going to be able to, to exploit this defense. And even if Harry Maguire does come back, quite frankly, I still think this, that's the big weakness of this England team. And will they be able to, to score the amount of goals like, you know, like they scored against Iran? Are they going to be able to put up? three four goals consistently i don't know if that's gonna happen they're gonna have to grind out some results they're gonna have to show that they can win a one nil and quite frankly i don't know if that's gonna happen i don't know if they can that's when maybe the the narrative for me will start to change you know i think it's going to be a significantly tougher test against the united states and if they win that game handily three four nil then i might have to come on here next week and say i was wrong about england they're going to the final they're going to win this thing you know, and and that's not saying that United States is a bunch of world beaters by any stretch of the imagination. But <laughs> hey, they are better than Iran, like and, and I'm going to get into that when I talk about the United States men's national team. I just think Iran. I expected them to be better, like I said, but they, you know, they're going to finish bottom of this group. I expect. Yeah, I would say. I would say. I would agree. But, but you know, segueing onto the United States men's national team, you know, obviously the yeah USA versus Wales. Which was highly anticipated for the both of us, you know, us both being Americans. And I know you tuned in heavily. I, yeah. I had a couple things going on. I wasn't that into the game. So that's why I'm going to lean on you a little bit more on this one. I wanted to get your thoughts and reactions on how this game turned out into your eyes. What did, what was your thoughts and reactions after the 90th uh, whistle blew? I, I would just say it, it's hard to not come away from that game disappointed, you know. Obviously, the United States came out in the first half. And keep in mind, this was the the first World Cup for pretty much 99% of this roster. DeAndre Yedlin was, I think, the only player with any World Cup experience at all. And he's not even a starter by any stretch. He, he comes out, he came off the bench. And, you know, myself included, this was the worst first World Cup game for the country in eight years. I had no idea what to expect. And they blew me away in the first half. I was absolutely impressed by this United States performance in the first half. They, they, they ran the game. They absolutely put on a show. You know, they won the first half 0.66 to 0.17 on, on expected goals. They absolutely were, were, they were outclassing Wales in every stretch of the phase of the game. They were, had a better defense. They had a better midfield. They had a better attack. And quite frankly, they needed to put away this game in the first half. And that's my issue with the United States. They dominated that first half. They only had one goal to show for it. They didn't create enough. And you have to give credit to Wales because they came out in a deep block. You know, they were defending well and they definitely had their tactics. You know, they knew United States has skillful players that want to be on the ball. You know, Christian Pulisic, for example, and they just did hack a Pulisic. 
they just absolutely beat him up in the midfield. They took, they took they him out the game. They took him out the game. They, they absolutely just fouled him over and over and over again. And they 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 were that was they were not going to let Pulisic beat them. And that was their tactic. And ultimately, Pulisic, the one opportunity he did get to drive at the back line, he was able to provide the assist for Timothy Weah. And that was a mistake on Wales's part. Pretty much the rest of the game, it was hack Pulisic. They didn't let him turn with the ball. They didn't let him drive. And, you know, it's disappointing that the United States was not able to put away more goals because of how good of a performance it was in the first half. And I said it at the time. You need to put teams away when you are winning handily. When you when you have a chokehold on the match, you got to put the game away. United States did not put this game away. It was 1-0. And you had a sneaky feeling that after halftime, Wales were going to make a tactical switch and they were going to be able to put a, a, a better force into the game and potentially go for the draw, maybe even the win. And that's exactly what happened. What changed this game was the United States got complacent after they went up 1-0, and they knew they were the better side. They knew they were playing better. Everyone on the pitch knew it. Everyone in the crowd knew it. The fans knew it. Everyone knew. This whole team got complacent. It was 1-0. Wales come out in the second half. They sub on Kiefer Moore, and Kiefer Moore absolutely changed the game. He put on a show. He had an absolute masterclass. 45 minutes played, 25 touches, 5 touches in the opponent box. Three duels won, two aerial duels won, and he created uh, one chance in the match. And obviously, you know, Bale was able to put away the penalty. It was just yeah. one of those things. Wales absolutely dominated the second half because they changed their tactics. They changed how they were playing. They subbed off Daniel James, who was playing striker. They put on a big, I think, six foot six key for more. They played hoof it up football and they just played proper, you know, 1960 British football. Get it up the pitch, cross it in, son, and, and let's let's hope that's for good, yeah. let's, ho- let's hope for it. And that's what they did. They won the second half, one point three eight to zero point one three. They absolutely put the pressure on the United States men's national team. They couldn't get hold the ball at some points, and that pressure continued to build. It continued to build. Greg Berhalter did not make the adjustments that I expected him to make, and ultimately, that's what let this team down. I'm not gonna go ahead and put all the blame on Greg Berhalter. I think it's a little bit harsh. At first, when I was first reacting to the game, I was ready to lash into him. And I, <laughs> no, you you, were, you weren't happy. You were not. You were not. But happy you know, taking a step back, you know, he did make some uh, adjustments with substitutes. You know, ultimately, he didn't. And and I don't know if this necessarily comes down to him or the team or whatever. But they just weren't able to deal with the the pressure that Wales were continuously putting on. And you know, he he tried to make some subs. It just didn't quite work out. You know, you can argue that. The, the right subs weren't made, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, when you're subbing on DeAndre Yedlin, who's, you know, kind of washed to a certain extent, you're subbing on Kellen Acosta, who's an MLS player, you know, you sub on Brendan Aronson for Weston McKinney, which is one of the best players, but obviously McKinney was a little yeah. bit banged up, you know, Aronson, he wasn't, a, uh, he didn't have a bad match once he came into it, but he wasn't able to release the pressure that Wales were having. And ultimately, when you let a team like Wales hang in the game and you have a guy like Gareth Bale, He's going to come back and he's going to make you pay at some point. And ultimately, Walker Zimmerman, it's it's so unfortunate because he had a great game. You know, that center back duo of Tim Bream and Walker Zimmerman was absolutely phenomenal. But one lapse of concentration, one idiotic challenge, Walker Zimmerman slides in from behind. No reason to make the tackle. And ultimately, Gareth Bale is able to, uh, able to put away that penalty. And it's just disappointing because it's a, it's a tie that feels like a loss. 
you know, it's one of those things. Iran, they, they've they kind of shown they're probably not going to do much in this group. It's going to come down to Wales. It's going to come down to the United States. And if the United States were able to win that game like they should have won, you know, based on what, what I saw, it, it, they'd already be pretty much through. But now they're going to leave a little bit more yeah. pressure. It's going to come down ultimately to who can concede the least to England and who can score the most on Iran. And you don't want to leave it up to that. You just don't especially when you had the game at the scruff of the neck and you had the opportunities and they just weren't able to put them away. And it's just disappointing. It's just disappointing. Ultimately, Giovanni Reyna should have been subbed on for me personally. You know, he's a, he's a superstar for Borussia Dortmund. He's, he did it in World Cup qualifying. And ultimately, you know, it's disappointing for me that he didn't uh, make an appearance. You know, there's a rumors coming out that uh, Burhalter was saving him for England. And if that's true, absolutely pathetic. Absolutely pathetic thought process. It's a disgraceful thought process. If you're saving a guy for England, it doesn't make any sense. If that's the case, I'm not going to lash into him completely because I don't know if it's true or not. It's just a rumor. But if that is the case, it's an absolutely it's an absolute disgrace. It's a disgrace. He should have been subbed on. In my opinion, he could have changed the game. We know his quality, but Tyler Adams had a masterclass in the midfield, and ultimately, it was one lapse of concentration with the Wales quick throw in. And then a Walker's Zimmerman mistake, which let Wales get a, a, a cheeky goal and ultimately get a draw. With all that being said, it's disappointing, but it was an impressive performance from the United States when you look back on it now. You know, obviously it's a law, it's a tie that feels like a loss. So of course you're going to be mad. But I just think ultimately a couple of days of you know, a day a day has passed, and it's just time to 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 move on to the England game. And ultimately, it was, an, it was an impressive performance from this young United States side. And I still have 100% faith that they will make it out of this group. Because I think that they will beat Iran handily. And I think that England and the United States, it's going to be a tough matchup. England probably should win. They will win, I think. But it's going to be close. Yeah. Uh, I, I agree with a lot of things you said. From from what I From what I did see... From that first half, the United States played very well. Wales just looked all over the place. It looked every bit of a team that hasn't been in the World Cup in 64 years. They looked every bit of it. They mm-hmm. couldn't string any passes together past this uh, United States uh, midfield that was that was being ran. The show was being ran by Tyler uh, Tyler Adams and Weston McKinney. Absolute masterclass, and that which ended up you know translating well to the build-up play to Christian Pulisic and then to to Timothy Witt. Timothy Weah, son of uh, of the great George Weah, and yeah, just at, you know a great goal, great uh, team goal, but then the the script just completely flipped the second half. The USA then converted and looked to the team that completely missed the World Cup four years ago. They exactly. they, they completely flipped to where they just came out com- like you said complacent, and they just got they they were start uh, Wales started to make adjustments to get the game a little closer and then it came down to one shocking mistake by walker zimmerman I, what, what were you thinking that was that you know you're, you're just diving right you're going straight through gareth bale it's like what well, what did you think was going to happen there it's like you know and it's always going to feel like that because you you know it's not it's not like you're giving up a, a goal on open play you gave up a pen you made a mistake you know it, it would, I think it would be a little bit different if, you know, Wales, you know, completely broke down the United States and scored. You know, you exactly. feel like, okay, you know, that 
you know, they kind of deserve that one. We we, we kind of, you know, uh, fought for that draw, but you gave them the point. Walker Zimmerman, you got a 3.3 rating for a reason, man. You, you gave them the game. You, you sold. You gave it to them. And, you know, that's that's why a lot you're, – you're always going to leave this game with, with a bad taste in your mouth because, you know, the United States should have won this game. They played good enough in the first half to deserve a win. But, you know, it's football. You make a mistake, you know, you you know, you put Gareth Bale to the, the penalty line, he's not going to miss. Yeah, no, it was one of those things. Based on that second half performance, I, I, the United States were lucky to even get a draw. It was an absolutely terrible second half. It was horrible. And, 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 and the fact that, you know, throughout the whole second half, you know, Burhalter, everyone could see it. So maybe, I don't know if he just didn't see it or he just he didn't know what he could do or he thought, you know, they would rebound and be okay. But the fact that you couldn't make any in-game adjustment to alter what Wales were doing, you know, for me, that's the only thing I can get on Burhalter about. I just think he should have tweaked something. And I don't know exactly what he should have tweaked, you know, what he could have done. But I just feel like you had to you had to try something, you know, besides the substitution to try to counteract what Wales was doing. And ultimately it just didn't happen. You know, the United States, based on the second half, they were very lucky to come away with a point. And if they didn't come away with a point, you know, it'd be over for them. You know, so ultimately yeah. you take the you take the point. I think it overall, you take the point. If if you told me going into the game that Wales would dominate the second half. And the United States will dominate the first half, and it, it ends up a draw. You probably take that because ultimately, you still got England coming up, which is obviously going to be tough. But you also you got to play Iran, and you know I just have faith in this team based on what I saw in the first half that Iran isn't probably going to be able to do what Wales did. You know, and and probably it's a game. It's a game of experience under this young team's belt. The mistakes that they made probably aren't going to quite happen again. I think it's a learning experience to a certain extent, a certain extent. And overall, you know, I consider us slightly lucky to get the point, but it gives me positive vibes going forward based on what I saw in the first half. I think this team is good enough to do and make some noise in this World Cup. Yeah, absolutely. I I agree. But um, you know, I'd like to see them get out of the round of 16. You know, that's, I think that for, I mean, for the United States, that, that's the ceiling, realistically. They get out yeah. of the round of 16. But, you know, I, I fancy them to get out of this group. You know, I think they're going to, they're going to beat Iran more than what the uh, Wales would beat them by. And, you know, it's just going to come right. down to the fact that if you're going to lose, if you're going to lose to England, just make sure it's not 6 2, you know, exactly. like, you know, make, make it respectable, make it, you know, like a 2 0 or your 1 0, you know. Or, what gives you know, me the most faith? What gives me the most faith is that you know the United States is a very attacking-minded team with great uh, attackers, and we've seen Iran going to leak in six goals. And to be honest, Wales they scored a pen. They have no attacking. You know they have no not much attack going forward. Iran and Wales might be the worst game of the tournament. It's going to be an absolute snooze fest. Nah, I think it might be and, a, a any, nil any, nil any game nil. with Qatar is probably the worst game. This one is going to be up there for, you know, competing with it, I think. <laughs> going to be but, competing for the Hall of Shame performance. But before we move on to the United States' arrivals, you know, Mexico and how they fared, obviously we both kind of, we know, uh, we both have our opinion on how this, you know, game against England is going to go. Do you see any way that the United States is able to get anything from this game against England on Friday? Any way? As of right now, no shot. 
Absolutely not. I think, uh, you know, it, it would be a, like a miracle, like, you know, like almost the second coming of Christ if they even get a draw <laughs> at this moment. Like, I think, you know, the, the most they could they could hope for is maybe like, you know, you, you draw England to a shootout. That's all that you, you know, like, yeah, you get them in there because England can be attacked. I mean, they, they did give up, you know, uh, uh, they gave up two goals. One was a pen at the last minute. But, you know, there there was chances that uh, that Iran had. And it's like if the U.S. get in those spots, could they finish them? Can they not? I mean, it's football. It's what, it's what we come to watch. It's what we, we want to see. But definitely England are the overwhelming favorites. You know, it's, you know, they're going into that game. I think it's going to be a comfortable win for England. But I've I've seen crazier shit happen. I mean, like I this morning. I, I if you told me the other day I would be waking up at five in the morning to watch Argentina Argentina lose two one to you know I I I, w- I would say you know that's you're probably you're probably stupid, but it's football. It's what we watch, and you know we're gonna be watching, and you know anything could happen. But if if I had a gun to my head and you told me you know make a choice, you know I- I- England comfortably, you know. Yeah, no, uh, and I, and it it's it's one of those things. It's hard to say this because part of me has that blind faith with the United States, and I, I want to say that, that we can get a result. But ultimately, you know, being one hundred percent objective, England, you know, they were absolutely dominant against Iran, and if we couldn't uh, hold up against Wales's pressure, God, God help us, bro, <laughs> when, when we have England pressuring us because it's, it's it might not be looking good. I would say, you know, a, a draw would be an amazing result. Do I think it's going to happen? Oh, that'd be a miracle. Not, not particularly. I don't think it's going to happen. But if we can get a draw, then we're then we're definitely making it out of the group because at this point, I'm expecting us to make it out of the group without a, without this draw. I hope we can get something. I hope we. I hope it's possible. If any, if, and even if we lose, I hope you know, like we can score a couple goals or something and, and make it interesting and and show. That we, we know it's just another step forward, and that Iran on the final day, it's going to be uh, a tough. It's going to be a, a dominant win. That's what I would like to to come from this England game thinking. But ultimately, I, I have to agree. If I had a gun to my head, pick a team, USA or England. I'm definitely picking England because <laughs> based on what I've seen, you know, England might just absolutely smack us. But I, I expect a like a two nil, you know, or a two or a three one. And that's yeah. what it has to be. For the United States, you can't lose this game by more than two goals. You can't. A- anything more than two goals, it's getting real dark and shady on your chances to advance good. from the group. It's getting real bad because you know Wales are going to play the deep block and they're going to try to go for a, a 1-0. And England might not be able to break them down quite as easily as the United States. You cannot lose this game by more than two goals if you do then it's getting dark and it's not looking good for the United States to advance. But I think it'll be a 2-0 a or 3-1 type of game for England. It'll be a comfortable win. Not quite as comfortable as Iran, but a comfortable win. And it, it sucks because I would love to get on here and say we're going to beat England, <laughs> but it's just not going to happen. They're going to get their revenge. But like I said, I, I, you know, crazier things have happened. It's football at the end of the day. Yeah, <clears throat> we'll be watching. We'll be watching. <clears throat> but... You know, uh, speaking of the U.S., you know we're, we're going to their their one of their their rivals. They've they've always been rivals. The, the hatred between them. Mexico played Poland today, in what was pretty much to me a very lackluster game. You know, not very much happened. You know, this is probably one of those games that 
he could have missed off. He could have, you know, just just took 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 in this one off, you know, because not very much yeah, happened. Nap. But I want, you know, this <laughs> is a game. You, you, if if you woke up at five in the morning for Argentina, you took a nap during this game because if, oh my yeah, god, yeah, this one, been- I wish this one was at five because I would have slept through it. But um, yeah, I, I wanted to get what were your thoughts of uh, Mexico? You being, you know, having that more of a rivalry against the, you know, how was it watching your uh, rival play Poland? You know, I, I I would say I expected Poland to be better than what they were. Mexico, in my opinion, they came out and they looked like the better side in this game. And I and I said that I didn't think this Mexico team was quite as good as, as previous ones in the past. And I didn't have to make it out of the group. But based on what I saw, Mexico are or there there are going to be a tough test for Argentina next. And it's going to be interesting to see if they are able to make it out of the group now because they've proven themselves a little bit to me. You know, obviously their main issue is the fact that they don't quite have the 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 punch at the uh, the number They're 9 the position. They, yeah. they don't quite have that attacking firepower. And that 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 is going to be a concern, but they were able to hold it's weird because they, they have Raul Jimenez. I mean, yeah, but, I, and, thought, and, but I think it, he's pretty solid, but he just doesn't, you know. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not 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 quite firing at the moment for him. It's yeah. just one of those things. I think Mexico they were able to retain possession well. They impressed me. They absolutely you know, in my opinion if you're going to say somebody dominated the match, you say Mexico because Mexico yeah, they oh, created yeah. the better. They, they had a lot they of they had pretty good chances. They, have, they, they had created the better chances. chances. They, they retained possession better. And I, I just expected more out of Poland. Not that this Poland team is anything special, but at the end of the day, you've got one of the best number nines in the world, if not the best. And this is, this is all you got to show for it. You know, to be fair. Uh, and with that being said, even though I said Mexico, they created the better chances. They were probably the better side. This game came down to once again a, a pen, and and I thought it was a pen. You know, clear as day. If like you know, you don't see this type of pen being called you know every day, especially you know in the Premier League and in normal club football. But based on the way refereeing has been in the World Cup, they're really honing down on the shirt pulling and the shirt tugging in the box. And Moreno, he tried to rip Lewandowski's jersey off. He tried. I mean, he was trying to make him nude. He's getting the fucking the Vogue cover ready. You know, so I thought it was a pen. And ultimately, Lewandowski is a fraud. He's a fraud. What was that? It was one of the worst penalties. One of the worst penalties that you could possibly have. No conviction. He looked like a guy who wasn't confident. He looked like a guy. Look, you want to see a confident guy who's stepping up when his country needs him the most? Look at Gareth Bale. Absolutely lashes in a penalty against the United States in the 80th minute when he needs it the most. Lewandowski, the lights are the brightest. The lights are shining on you, and this is what we got. The worst penalty, arguably, of the whole tournament so far. And no conviction, nothing. And I expect better from somebody who I've called the best number nine in the world. It was an absolutely pathetic penalty. You're making Memo Ochoa turn back the clock to 2014. You're making him look like he's 2014 Ochoa. You know, all respect to Ochoa, but Lewandowski has to do better. He has to do better. He's let his country down. He still has no World Cup goals in his career. He's let his country down. And they had they had no no right to win this game. You know, I'm not saying they did. They they were outclassed by Mexico in my opinion. But football is a weird game. And you know, sometimes you know, the better team doesn't always win. In this case, Poland should have won this game just because of the fact that they had the most clear-cut chance of the entire match, a bloody pen with the best number 9 in the world or one of, and this is what you got.
an absolute terrible pen to, to go up with the terrible performance. Look, the, the expected goals, I love using expected goals as a, as a stat, but the expected goals do not still tell the story of this match because in a Poland one, 1.02 to 0.75, but 0.8 of those expected goals was from the penalty. So realistically, Mexico, they absolutely dominated this match. It was an absolute uh, pathetic performance from Lewandowski and the rest of this Poland team, to be quite honest. I expected much, much more. But it gives me faith for Argentina because, it, you know, a, a draw was the perfect result for Argentina. Yes, yeah, that's, uh, yeah. And, you know, neither of these two teams looked like they, they got the punch. And, and that's my biggest takeaway. Neither of these two teams look like world beaters by any stretch of the imagination. And it's just quite disappointing, I would say. It's disappointing, especially given how the game played out. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree with some of the points, but I think we got we to gotta pump the hate breaks a little bit here. I mean, look, Lewandowski had no – I'm not going to say he had a great game. You know, I think he only had like I think three touches in the box in total. Like obviously, that's not what you want from your your talisman striker. There's the greatest player to ever come out of your country, but to be it's a pen. I mean, realistically, like you've got Ochoa score. guessed the right way. What? Well, okay, Ochoa guessed the right way. Look, if I I saw a pretty poor pen in Valencia's pen versus Qatar, he literally just walked up, calmly walked up and slotted it in. Look. If if you guess the right way, it's the thing with penalties. You guess the right way, I mean, shit happens. Nah, nah. If if it he does if Ochoa goes the if Ochoa goes the other way, Lewandowski scores. No matter what the conviction or what the hell, he guessed the right, right way. He guessed the right way, and that's just the end of it. That's how pens he did work. guess the right I mean, way. Everybody misses pens. But but let's I'm, let's let's go ahead and use Gareth Bale's penalty against the United States as a prime example. Matt Turner gets a hand on it. He goes the right way, but Gareth Bale put his full force behind the ball, lashes into it. No keeper is saving that pen, even if you guess the right way. There are unsavable penalties, even if you guess the right way. Gareth Bale's was a prime example. Matt Turner is a great shot stopper, and he was not. He, he got a hand to it, but no one was saving that pen. He got a bloody hand to it, and you still couldn't save it. You get a hand to a penalty, you're expecting to save it. Just didn't happen. Lewandowski, no conviction. It was a, a bad pen. It wasn't even fully in the corner. Put your laces through it. You, look, I, do I have to explain to Lewandowski how to take a conviction pen? It, it's not difficult. Yeah. I, I, I get I get what you're saying, but I still I, I can't like completely say it. it's I, I don't see it as you make it seem like he's missed an open net. You know, it's like, you know, you might as well have. He, yeah, the apps. I mean, no, because if it, like I said, alternate universe, Ochoa dived it the other way. And Lewandowski scores. Then we're not having this conversation at all. Look, I get it. Look, it was a poor pen, but as just how penalties are, he guessed the right way. If he didn't guess the right way, he would have scored. No matter what the conviction, no matter how hard he hits the ball, no matter what you know, left left foot, right foot, I don't give a damn. Ochoa happened to guess the right way. It happened. To, he he hit it poor. You know, I'm. But that that doesn't really have to change the fact that it's this deserved to be a draw. Poland, oh, it did. You know, like, 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 like you said, Poland probably should have won just on the pure fact they got a pen. But I think Ochoa was the bigger part in, in that. In that, he just guessed the right way and stopped it because he could have he could have stayed down the middle or he could have chose the other way. He, you have to make a decision, and Ochoa chose Robert right. Lewandowski, bro. It's it's Robert Lewandowski. People miss pens. I mean, shit it's, happens. It's you get Robert guessed. Robert Lewandowski, get... your your country needs you. 
It, the game is on the line. Your country needs you. You are the greatest player in Poland history. And I've seen the greatest player of all time, Miss Benz. Of course, it happens. But your country needs you. You are the greatest, if not the second greatest, number nine, you know, in, in current football. And, and of this generation, you know, he's up there, uh, probably a top five, number nine. He hasn't scored a World Cup goal. He can change the narrative completely if he scores this pen, puts his foot through it, gives a proper pen. He looked like a guy who was not confident. He looked like a guy who he, he, he knows he has to take the pen because he's Robert Lewandowski, but he looked like a guy who wasn't confident. He didn't like the big moment. And that's not what you want from your, your star talisman number nine. You need a guy like Gareth Bale, put the ball down, put your laces through it. You knew, you knew Bale was scoring that pen. As, as soon as they got it, you knew Wales were, were going to score that penalty. You can't say the same yeah. about Robert Lewandowski in Poland. You can't say well, the same. Well, hindsight's twenty twenty. You could say that. I mean, before I, you look I can guarantee you, even before they took the pen, you weren't you weren't thinking that. You weren't just gonna think, oh yeah, Lewandowski's just gonna complete. I was happy that I was happy that Poland got the pen. But it, it, look, Lewandowski looked the guy who was who was not ready for that moment. He looked not confident. He didn't look. I mean, like, that, I think that plays into the fact that he was also playing poor that game. But you know. I'm not gonna just completely throw him under the, you know, the hate train bus that he's, you know, he's he's, he's, he's completely falling out. He's a fraud. No, he's not a fraud. He's missed. He's he missed fraud. one pen, man. He, pe- he's a fraud he had one for pen. his country. His country needed him in the in, 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 His country fraud. isn't very good. You have to like he's on he's on like uh, France or something that he's his done. Country this needed him. Poland's not a good team, and it's it's like that that almost be like uh, that's that'd be like me say, oh, Holland's garbage because he didn't make the World Cup. You, oh, Holly, you're the best striker. You should be carrying this. We're talking team. about a no, penalty, bro. No. We're talking about, no. look, one-on-one, no. the best number not, nine. You're the calling him a fraud. Nine. You're calling him a fraud because he's playing bad for his country. So let's hold every top striker to that standard that don't play good for the I'm country. Calling him a, I'm, I'm calling him a fraud because he's he's not only been playing bad for his country, but also he missed a pen when his country needed him the most. one pen. Missed one fucking pen. That's, it's that's the World not, Cup. There, there's only one pen. You have to score. There, It's the World Cup. You got one opportunity. The lights were brightest. He, he, Dude, he the, shrunk. You're acting like he's the only player to ever miss a pen in the World Cup where the lights I, are I, it, happens. it happens. It happens. It, it, it happens. But not many players as good as Robert Lewandowski, you know, are always in that moment, you know? Oh, okay. So if, if you have this whole idea that all oh, Lewandowski is a fraud, are you are you gonna guarantee that they don't make it out of this group at all? That it's just a foregone conclusion. They're not making it out the group. Oh, no, po- Poland are not making it out the group. Okay. Okay. I I, at know, this very moment, I if, you're asking, if yeah. you're asking me who makes that of this group, genuinely, I'm taking Argentina and Saudi Arabia. What? I'm taking. Dude, you're just, I'm you're taking, just a Mexico hater, dude. You just the, no, the, no, the Mexico bro. hatred that that goes through you. You just hate them. How can you watch that Saudi Arabia performance and not say they're not going to make it out of the group? Because they haven't. I mean, they 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 had the perfect game. Everything literally like the stars align. Everything's aligned. Poland for them. and Mexico are not as good of teams as Argentina. They don't have to. They don't, they don't have to play as well. If they we're if they, they have we're these types see. of tactics, we're gonna see. They have these types of tactics. There is no reason for them not to be able to get a win against either Poland or Mexico. And realistically, to get out of the group, they only need one win, and a draw would probably do just fine as well. And and. They held Argentina to zero open play goals. Zero. Well, Messi had to get a pen. 
and it was a phantom oh, pen at that. The phantom pen. Yeah, I, like 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 I said, I think that was. I, I take that game mostly as a one-off, you know, microcosm anomaly that you know they they had the perfect bounce. But when they play Mexico and Poland, it's going to be very close games. And I I think that, Saudi Arabia. You know, oh okay, yeah, I mean Saudi Arabia, my bad. But um, if Saudi Arabia play Poland, it's I don't I don't know who wins that. Who wins that? Give, you don't know. Give me Saudi Arabia. They are oh, winning that game. God. They are if, winning that if, game. Uh, uh, give give me Poland. I'll take Poland. I'll take Poland on that. And against Mexico, I'll take I'll take Mexico. I I had Mexico making out this group, but if anybody is gonna you know take overtake Mexico, it's gonna be Poland, man. It's just like I don't I don't know where this hatred for the these these uh, you know. It's it's like watching your two exes was, fight right now, dude. It, it, it was a non-convincing performance, you know. It was a more convincing performance uh, from Mexico, but they still have shown that they have their issues. And Poland looked absolutely pathetic. I still think Argentina will be able to rebound because, you know, quite frankly, they looked pathetic against Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia is the team in this group that I'm coming away from with the most takeaways saying, wow, this is a good team. The other three teams looked absolutely terrible. And if you had told me this is what I was going to be saying, I wouldn't quite have believed it. But the other three teams in this group, besides Saudi Arabia, looked terrible. And Saudi Arabia looked great. And Saudi Arabia have the inside track to, to get out of this group now. You know, they've won the difficult game against Argentina. All they have to do is probably get one point or one win, you know, a draw or a win against Poland or Mexico. It's not, it's not, it's not crazy to say that that's going to happen. Okay. We're gonna have to see. We're gonna have to see. That's gonna yeah, be good yeah, games. Yeah. You know, make, yeah. makes things a little bit more interesting because we we didn't think this of Saudi Arabia. We didn't think they'd be in a position to possibly make it out the group. No one had them making out the group. But now no it took one. It took one one big upset, and now you're, we're talking about you know these are now Poland versus Saudi Arabia and Mexico versus Saudi Arabia are, are must see. The every every game that's gonna be in this group is gonna have to be a must see now, just because yeah, it's yeah. tight. It's gonna be tight, but yeah, genuinely, um, any four of the, these teams could make it out of the group at this point. Any four of them, mm-hmm. like out of those four, any of them could make it out. That's what I'm trying to say. But yeah, at basically. this very moment, give me Saudi Arabia, give me Argentina. I don't know exactly yeah. the order. Maybe Saudi Arabia Saudi might be winning the group, right? <laughs> Saudi Arabia wins the group. You know, we'll we'll have to see. But um, you know, moving on to the other other big game that happened, we saw the champs come out to. Their, their first first game in the defense of their title playing yeah. Australia and you know it, it was a it started out a bit rocky but you know ended up co- uh, coming out to France's favor what was your initial reactions throughout this game until the final whistle I, I would say you know at first obviously it wasn't you know the, it, 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 the, the immediate thing it's not the same France team as 2018. We know that, you know, the they have some of the same players, but, you know, the midfield, you know, of Tushimeni and Rabio, I, I clowned on Rabio and I said, oh, he, 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 played, he shouldn't even he be in the squad. He played very well. He played very good. But, but he had a goal and an assist. You know, he put on a show. But, th- you know, quite frankly, this is not the same France team that it was in 2018. But with that being said, they came out and, and ultimately after a shaky start, they put their foot down and it was a statement performance showing that, they still are France at the end of the day. They might not be the exact same. They might not have Kante. They might not have Pogba. But they are still France, and they still have loads of quality players, and they play well as a unit. 
and ultimately led by Deschamps, uh, Didier Deschamps, uh, the manager, they just play well as a team. And and ultimately, you know, the injury to uh, Lucas Hernandez is a little bit, uh, you know, it's concerning because you know, it, you know, you don't want to lose somebody that is going to be uh, playing a pivotal role in that defense. But they have, you know, his brother Teo to step right into that Teo. role. And Teo's a great he played player. Very well. He played very yeah, well. Yeah, Teo's a great player. I rate him very highly. And, you know, it's just one of those things. After a shaky start, you know, because, you know, Australia got the first goal and everyone was saying, oh, well, here we go. You know, you said we the, group go. Stage, the group stage curse. curse. It's, it's, rearing its, uh, it's rearing its horns again and it's, it's coming through. France, you know, they were able to say, hold up, hold up, pump the brakes on that. We are still France at the end of the day. Ultimately, they put on a show after that first goal. They absolutely, it's like that was their wake-up call. And then they really came out after that and they just, they put on a show. They, they had 62% possession, 4.21 expected goals to Australia's 0.52. 23 total shots, 8 big chances, and 4 big chances missed. So realistically, we could be looking at an even more dominant scoreline than what we saw. Yeah. It was just one of those things. It was a dominant performance. But with that being said, it's Australia. This is what we expected. They needed to come out. They needed to win this game. They didn't need to quite win it 4-1. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's convincing that they won it 4-1, but they had to win this game. We all expected them to win this game. There's not too many takeaways from this, like, oh, France, are they're this, they're that. They're fraud. They're, they're winning the World Cup. You can't go either way because it's Australia. You, you expect them, yeah. even without the players that they don't have, you expect them to do what they did. I will say Mbappe he had a great game. Uh, he missed a he missed a chance that he should have scored. Center, you know, he'll, be, yeah. he'll be kicking himself on that. Olivier Giroud ties Thierry Henry's French record. You know, with fifty-one goals, you have to give him his credit. It it. How did that happen? Olivier Giroud, and it's crazy to say he's one of the best nines of this generation. He's you know he's one of the best because just based on the resume, he's one of the best. He has consistently done it. He's done it in multiple leagues. He, he like I'm not saying he's better than Suarez by any stretch of the imagination or any of these other guys, but he's up there. He's, <laughs> he's a quality number nine, and he's proven himself once again on the biggest Solid, stage. Yeah. That he he deserves more respect than what he gets, and he's going to be one of those players that when he uh, does actually retire, he's going to be underrated. People are going to sleep on just how good Olivier Giroud was. But before I pass this back off to you, my final player that you know put on a show for me, and I've criticized him before, so you're probably going to get a laugh out of this. Usman Dembele absolutely <laughs> ran the show down the right wing for France. He wasn't selfish. He was able to pick up he an assist. He was not selfish? Okay. He, 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 he played a convincing performance. He had his head down, and he, and he wanted to show just how good he was, and that's what he did. If Usman Dembele is going to play like this for the rest of the tournament, I mean, we already knew this France attack was scary, but you know, Usman Dembele, you know, if he's playing like this, it's going to be tough to stop this France team. You know, Giroud is going to get lots of chances created by Mbappe and Dembele. I mean, I mean, come on. Mbappe playing one wing, Dembele playing the other, bro. Any fullback that is playing against France, they've got their work cut out for them. Whether you're the left back or the right back, it's not looking good. But yeah, it was a convincing win by France, but it's what we expected. I'm not taking too much into this. I still want to see France and this specifically this midfield and now kind of this defense, you know, get tested by a, a, a team that we kind of have higher expectations for. And that'll be Denmark. 
I want to see how they play against Denmark. Obviously, Denmark didn't have a great result today by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, but we know not a good game. How, but we know Denmark has quality. We know that they're probably better than Australia. And I want to I believe see how they drew strength. against them last. Uh, I'm pretty sure they drew against them last 20, 2018. They drew them in the group. Yeah. And, well, and, and and they, you know, speaking of them drawing, they drew today against Tunisia, which isn't, you know, isn't a great result by that's, interesting that's imagination. A, that's the best result, yeah. But I know that Denmark have quality players, and I want to see this midfield specifically get tested because I think Denmark has a good midfield. And that's the biggest question mark for me with this France team still. Tushumeni and Rabio. Rabio has silenced the critics for a little bit because of his performance. For just a little bit, yeah. But that's still, when I look at this France lineup, and I'm looking at it right now on the phone, it's just that's the biggest question mark for me. That two men pivot midfield of Tushimeni and Rabio, how are they going to hold up against the more quality teams? That's my biggest question mark. That question mark still remains after this game for me. Yeah, I, I would I would have to agree. You know, they France started out you know on skates like Australia. That that was a gorgeous goal, great crossing and just smashed it in, and you know. You first see that you're like, uh oh, is you know the the curse is in full effect, and like you said, France, you're like, chill out, man. Like, what, what, watch this, and they just you know basically threw a party on them, you know, and Mbappe was running the show, Dembele was running the show, Giroud was finally that was the uh, the first time Giroud scored. He didn't score at all in the 2018 World Cup, even though he had such yeah. a pivotal role, he didn't score. But well, this one, yeah. he, he came out, got two goals, tied Thierry Henry, and just a, f- a full-out great performance from France. But with them looking so great, they don't look invincible. And that, that was the main takeaway that I, I saw that Australia w- were getting at them. They were creating some chances. They scored one, but they were still creating a couple good quality chances. And that that uh, started to, you know, that's where I started to close the gap in between I think England could beat this squad. I think, you know, there's other teams that could give this this team. It's not as one-sided as we might have thought it would have been yeah. with it being France. They're not as good as they were. And it's going to be interesting when we see them play Denmark and eventually get into the knockouts because let's, let's just say they're breaking the curse. I think that we could finally, you know, you know, unless, you know, all hell breaks loose, I think they're finally going to break the World Cup curse and make it out the group, finally. I think the past yeah. four World Cups, the, the champions have never gotten, you know, out the group. But France looked like they're, they're poised enough to do that. But after that, it's going to be interesting to see them play, you know, some of the, you know, top echelon teams in this in this tournament. Yeah, you and you were always more high on France than I was. And and obviously I think a lot of you being so high on them when it was part of having Kareem Benzema, obviously who isn't part of the, oh, I, now. I, 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 I told you uh, that if from what this team looked like, if they had Kareem Benzema inserted in there, it wouldn't be fair. It, yeah. it, it would not have been fair. That, but you know, with Benzema, you know, fortunately being out, it does make things a little bit more level just because, God have mercy if this team w- would be fully, fully firing imagine on all had, cylinders with Kareem Benzema. Nkunku and, and Benzema. And a, they, oh, my God. It's just like, you know, it's kind, it's kind of like a, you, you got to like um, they had to even the playing field just because they're <laughs> just that that my God 
that, that would have not been fair. That would just have not been fair. No, you it, know, a fully it, it, if if France had every single player that they that they wanted, you know, even going back to if they had Conte and they had Pogba, this oh team God. it's just like it it's just like fantasy, man. It's this isn't fair. But now you know, unfortunately, we never want to see it come down to like oh if they were healthy, but. That's just reality of the game. People get injured, and this World Cup, a lot of players are injured. Yeah, but it just comes down to who can stay fit, and you know who can find their form the quickest. Because right now, you gotta have your form. You gotta find your form quickly, or you can put yourself in a hole. It's like Argentina, they're in a hole right now, but they're, yeah. you know, you're, you're gonna have to dig yourself out of this. And and France were able to avoid that. They able to get yeah. this one done, and I think they're gonna just win out. Really, I think they they might at worst case scenario draw again with Denmark, but they're they're gonna make it out the group. You know, they're gonna. Oh yeah, no, they're definitely easily. making it out of the group. Yeah, and it's it's just gonna be interesting to see exactly how uh, it plays out with them in Denmark because that's probably the biggest test, you know, for me with yeah. uh, with this France team. How how are they gonna be against Denmark? Absolutely, yeah gonna be interesting but you know i think with with that wrapping out i think we covered most of the the pivotal games but still sticking into the world of football breaking news happened that manchester united have have reached an agreement to part ways with cristiano ronaldo the saga has ended it is over cristiano ronaldo will no longer play for manchester united and he's now a free agent when did we ever think we would say the words Cristiano Ronaldo is a free agent? I thought it'd never be said. But I, I didn't. I until, never. It's it, it's crazy today, to even think about that until today. So, I wanted to ask you right now: What do you think is next for Cristiano Ronaldo, and where do you think he's going to play? Where's is, where is he going to hang his boots? Where is the next club he's going to go to? I think that. Manchester United have dealt with this Cristiano Ronaldo uh, situation bad. I said it from the beginning. I think Eric Ten Hag is, is, is slightly out of his depth. You know, I think that he has to assert his dominance on the squad and prove that he deserves the respect. But disrespecting Cristiano Ronaldo is not the way of going about that for me. However, that ship has officially sailed. I'm not, let's not focus on you know the beef with Eric Ten Hag and things like that. I think with Cristiano Ronaldo, I think he still has a lot to offer to a top club. He's not the player that he once was when he was winning all those Ballon d'Ors and he was up there with Messi and they were going back and forth every year. He's not that guy anymore. You know, he gets old. You know, players get old. You know, even the greatest, you know, they get old. He's not quite what he was. But let's not act like he can't contribute to a top team. Everyone wants to make it out to be, oh, he can't press. He can't do this. He can't keep up in the modern game. He still scores goals. He scored 24 goals for Manchester United last season, 18 of them being in the uh, in the Premier League. He's right up there with Harry Kane. We we all me, me and you we both consider Harry Kane and everyone to be a top top striker. Ronaldo is up there with them in goals in the Premier League, and all of a sudden we're out here saying Ronaldo is washed. This and that. Ronaldo can still contribute at a high level, and ultimately he's going to have some suitors of pretty much you know a, a multitude of different clubs. I think, and not every club because there's obviously some clubs who are buying into this belief that he's 100% washed and he can't press mm -hmm. and he can't keep up in the modern game. And he's not the guy that he was and his wages are high, blah, blah, blah. But ultimately, for me, I think it, 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 it's looking like it could happen. 
if he's staying in the Premier League, there look ultimately I I I think two options here. And one is probably slightly more likely than the other. The first option for Ronaldo in terms of where he should go next is Chelsea. He stays in the Premier League. Chelsea, Todd Bowley wants that that guy who can sell he wants the shirt. That superstar. He wants a global superstar. And, and even at 37 years of age, Ronaldo is still that. He is going to sell a, an, an immense amount of shirts. He's going to bring popularity to the club. And ultimately, Todd Bowley being an American owner, that's what he wants at the end of the day. I think it's realistic. It could happen. Graham Potter has, has, has you know, said, I guess, or in privately conversations has been said that he doesn't want him. But I don't think particularly that matters. If, if Todd Bowley wants Ronaldo, it's going to happen. And I think he does want Ronaldo. And I think it's not crazy for Ronaldo to want to stay in England. Does he want to move countries again? I don't know. I don't think he matters too much. But I think it's it's not unrealistic for him to stay in England. And, he, you know, he's still, I think, you know, given the type of guy Ronaldo is, he wants to prove himself now in the Premier League again because people are writing him off. Ronaldo wants to prove the doubters wrong. Chelsea are going to come knocking. I think it's not crazy for him to go to to Chelsea. And, you know, as a fan of Chelsea, I think that would be a good move because, like I think, we need a, a true number nine, the guy who can bag the goals. He'd get Champions League football. And I think it, it's a move that can happen. It's just will will it happen? You know, I don't know. I think it's I think it's realistic. I think it's it's one of the ones ultimately it's up to Ronaldo because I think Todd Bowley wants him. The second yeah. move, uh, and you've talked about it before, uh, you know, privately, Bayern Munich. You know, I don't know if Bayern Munich want Ronaldo. You know, they 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 seem to be a well-oiled machine like always. But it's not crazy for me to believe that Ronaldo wants to prove himself in another league. That's another thing to uh, hang his hat on over Messi. He would have proved himself in the, in the Serie A, the Premier League, the La Liga. And then if he goes to Bayern Munich, he'll win titles and he'll prove himself in the Bundesliga. If that's what Ronaldo's looking for, he wants to win more trophies. He wants to kind of stat pad. He wants to show he can still score goals at a somewhat high level. He goes to Bayern Munich. He's going to absolutely set the league on fire, even at 37 years old. It's just, do Bayern Munich want him to in their project? Because Bayern Munich, you know, they're always a look to the future type of team. And mm -hmm. it just seems like that seems the more unrealistic option of the two for me, just because Ronaldo's kind of the exact opposite of a Bayern Munich type of move. They seem to always be looking for the youth and looking forward because they know that they're dominant. They, they, and they want to sustain their dominance. They're not looking for players that are plug in and they're going to be good for one to two years. They're looking for guys that they can play for, for a multitude of years. They're looking for guys most, mostly from poaching the other players in the Bundesliga, but they're looking for guys that can get <laughs> on long-term yeah. deals. They're looking for youth. And it, it, it's I can't really remember Bayern Munich signing an older type of guy like Ronaldo is, you know, it's it, it could how, it could how old was Ian Robin when they got him? I think he was still quite young. How was Frank Ribery? Like those, those guys, yeah, were, they, 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 he had they had really them remember. for a while they and, for a good when they were still bit. kind of when they were still kind of youthful, you know. They were, I don't think they were quite 23, but they were somewhat youthful. Yeah. Ronaldo is literally 37. It's not something I've ever seen Bayern Munich do, but I don't think it's crazy for Ronaldo to want to prove himself in a new league, still be able to bag the goals compete at a high level, and ultimately have a chance to win the Champions League because Bayern Munich, they're always going to be a good team. They're always going to have an opportunity to win the Champions League. Are they going to do it? You know, they did it against 2020 in the Mickey Mouse uh, COVID year, but they haven't really been able to do it necessarily as much as they probably should have given their quality. But with all that being said, it's not crazy for me to think that could happen. But if I had, if I gunned to my head, pick what club he's going to out of those two, 
Chelsea, I, I think, is the one where it's like he, he gets to stay at a high level, stays in the Premier League. He will prove himself again in the Premier League, make Manchester United kick themselves. I think for me, given the type of guy Ronaldo is, it makes the most sense. But I'm interested to see what you say. Oh, Cristiano Ronaldo. How the tables have turned. <laughs> well, I think the only real teams that are thrown in this hat of the Ronaldo sweepstakes is realistically, like you said, Chelsea. I saw a bit shouts of Arsenal, but I really doubt it. I really I doubt t- it. I that's almost impossible. But um, I've seen Atletico Madrid thrown in there. I've seen the <laughs> Bayern Munich <laughs> thrown in there. Yeah, I, I saw a couple of people saying he, he could realistically go to Atletico. That, but it's more of the people that um that sided with United with the whole idea because they, they're like, oh, he would have went to City and he doesn't care about his ties with uh, United. And it's like, it, I guess the same thing would be said that, you know, he would go to Atletico Madrid because he doesn't really care about his uh, his playing for Madrid. And uh-huh. I saw I saw Madrid's name thrown in there a little bit, even though yeah. I've seen Madrid um come out and say that they they plan to sign no uh, nobody, even though Benzema is injured and we don't know how long he's injured for, even though I think that's kind of stupid. I'm gonna give. I'm gonna answer this question two ways. I'm gonna give my two realistic. You know, these are like okay, these are probably where he's gonna go. And then the two dream scenarios that dream. I think football would want to see. So I'm gonna start out with the two dream scenarios. And who who better t- to tease this than Piers Morgan? Piers Morgan says, "What would would you ever see yourself linking up?" With Lionel Messi and Perry Saint Germain. And you know, I feel like it's not something that's completely out of this world. It's I mean, it's Perry Saint Germain. It's what would Paris do to win? And I feel like it's it's a move Paris would would maybe think of, but you know, it all come down to they they'd have to run it by the president. They have to run it by Mbappe. Do you want Ronaldo? And you know, I think it. It would be it would be a sight to see if we got the chance to see you know Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo on the same yeah. team. We finally it get to be. see it, but uh, you know I think it's that's that's a bit of a long shot. And the other dream one was I want to see him come home. I want to see him back in Madrid. Obviously, Ronaldo's brought us so much glory. He's brought he's brought us everything. He's been the best player in, in the history of our entire club, but. That one, like, like from what I've seen the club saying, and just the relationship Ronaldo has with Florentino Perez, I highly doubt it as well. I mean, Florentino Perez literally called, said this guy's stupid. That this guy, <laughs> he's called Cristiano Ronaldo stupid. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't think you know he's crazy to want Cristiano back. And um, you know, even though as much as I'd want to see it, I, I don't, I don't think it's gonna happen. But. uh the ones that I I really think are going to happen are the ones you mentioned. I think it's going to be either Chelsea or Bayern. That is going to be one of the two. And you know, if it came down to one, I think he's going to Chelsea. Even though I've seen a lot of Chelsea fans mixed about it that they don't want yeah. Cristiano Ronaldo because just how 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 Ronaldo treated United that they they think you know like um, from what he said about his players, he he referred to some of his team his former teammates as rats, and it's like you know that. This is a guy that you you maybe not want in your club. This guy's this guy wants to take the spotlight from everything. And he's narcissistic. He's this and he's that. But uh, you know, if he goes to Chelsea, you know, it, I think 
it'd be a it'd be a good move, but it, it, what does that really do for Chelsea in the the bigger picture? I mean, does it make them a top four lock? I don't know. Maybe, possibly. How does it affect them in Europe? You know, I doubt it changes where the, I think they would finish in Europe, but it'd be interesting. It'd be interesting to to see Ronaldo play for another another team that's not United in in England, but. I think out of all the options, that's the one that's that's been catching the most traction. Todd, um, what is it, Todd Bowley? I'm sorry, uh, Todd Bowley. I, I'm having a brain. Todd Bowley has wanted Cristiano Ronaldo even when he had Tuchel. When he had Tuchel, he yeah. wanted he wanted uh, was, Todd that was, Bowley. That was one of the main. That was one of the main reasons why Tuchel ended up getting the sack was because he wanted yeah. Ronaldo, and Tuchel said no, don't I don't want Ronaldo. And this was something that I was telling you about when Todd Bowley got first assigned. That you know, I think he is. He's not. He's looking more into the shirt sales, into what is better for the club. And I don't think signing a 37-year-old Cristiano Ronaldo is perfectly what the club needs right now. But obviously, you know, it can't hurt if you. It, Ronaldo said he would be willing to take take a little bit of a pay cut in wages to stay in a top uh, top league. I don't know about that. We will have to see. But out of every team that's on the table. I think Chelsea are the most realistic option for Cristiano Ronaldo right now. Uh, do you, and you, uh, what are your, do you give Byron any uh, hope in the ring? Uh, I, I, I give him a shout, but I think, uh, I think there's, they're kind of just a, a name that reporters have been kind of throwing out because, you know, you got to make news and it's just, like you said, I, I if it seems like a move Byron wouldn't make is kind of yeah. like, philosophy they, doesn't they, they wouldn't high. yeah and just how how they plan to play i think almost too fat atletico might be a better shout than than bayern at this moment i think <laughs> if if you were to look at which club would want ronaldo more weirdly enough i, I think atletico would want ronaldo more than bayern Munich would want him but uh-huh. i doubt he goes if, if he goes to atletico i won't know what to believe it'll be literally the worst shit of all time but uh yeah i i think chelsea have the best shot and that's why it's one of those things, like when you really start narrowing down the list of like top clubs, you know, that he could go to, it's a slim list just because there's so many top clubs that are kind of like already out of it per se. Like he's not going to Barcelona. He's not going to around, back to Real Madrid because of, you know, the ship has sailed with Florentino Perez. Bayern yeah, Munich right. for me, it's a possibility, but their philosophy of football doesn't line up with signing a 37-year-old Ronaldo. There's not another top team in the Bundesliga. But then you go to the, the French League, League One, PSG, they've already got the dream attack. Seems kind of unrealistic. Yeah, that you can't really uh, fit Ronaldo. Him in there. Now, if if Mbappe had left, then maybe it's a different story. That's when, oh yeah, that's when. But yeah. that didn't happen, so it doesn't seem like that's quite the what's going to happen. So then it's like, okay, he has to stay in the Premier League. He's not going back to Syria either. So then, okay, look at the Premier League. Not he's already, he was at Man United. He's definitely not going back there. Obviously, Man City, it's <laughs> not, not going to happen. City. Liverpool, not going to happen. Uh, our, uh, Tottenham, not going to happen. Chelsea, obviously could happen. And then Arsenal. It might be between Chelsea and Arsenal, but I just don't think Arsenal are... <laughs> and, Arsenal, and there's just, no chance. I just how they love their he's, squad. He's, he's, he's mentioned like Arsenal. Would... If Arsenal put their hat in the ring and, and they put, a, bit, uh, they, they put a, a, a contract on the table, he would be tempted. I know Ronaldo would be tempted because currently they're top think, of the title. I think Ronaldo... Ronaldo... Ronaldo would want to go to Arsenal more than Arsenal would want Ronaldo. I agree. With, just, I agree with just, that. But, I, but 
I think Arsenal are high on their players and they just they don't see a use in Cristiano Ronaldo at this moment. But yeah, I I get what you're saying that, you know, they're the only other viable option because what? Do you think Tottenham's gonna get Ronaldo? No. I mean, like Newcastle gonna get Ronaldo, they could afford him, but Ronaldo doesn't want to go to Newcastle, you know? It's just exactly exactly. So it's like when you really start narrowing down the options, it's like it's kind of Chelsea or bust, I feel like. And, and if, and if it Chelsea is, doesn't pull the trigger on him, then I don't know what's the next for Cristiano Ronaldo. He might be going to MLS. MLS, bring him to Inter Miami. David Beckham, call him up, son. Bring him to Miami. Yeah. That would but, be a um, spectacle to see, but I don't think it's happening. <laughs> I don't think so. Not not yet, at least. But um, like it, it's it's crazy to think about because we 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 never think Ronaldo would even be in this situation that. You know, we'd be talking about what teams would want him. Like, you know, it's Cristiano Ronaldo. Any everybody would want him, but it's just it comes down to age. The same thing happened with Messi. I mean, Messi was basically for sale last season. PSG were not very high on him, and there's not a lot of people other than Barcelona who literally couldn't afford him because they're bankrupt. Not a lot of people really wanted Messi either. It's like, yeah, it's just it's coming to the time to where it you're you're gonna see these players, these names in these, you know free agency and in these transfer talks and we don't there's not a lot of people calling yeah and it's just it's crazy to think about because you know for for people like us in our generation i mean these two are those are the guys i mean it, it, it it's just it's, it's unbelievable to think that it's almost gotten to the point where you know their careers have kind of faded and it, it's the back end obviously it, it's sad but it's also you know the you know, time for the next generation of uh young players to step up, you know, like an Mbappe and a Jude Bellingham and players like that. But the the last point I think I wanted to, to get your thoughts on with this whole Ronaldo situation before we get on to the other type of football. Do you think that this news breaking at this uh, moment before Portugal's first game and before they've really had their, their show in the World Cup, do you think that this is going to alter uh, Portugal and Ronaldo's performance in the World Cup? No, I, I I don't think Ronaldo cares. I think uh, Ronaldo realistically only cares about Ronaldo. He doesn't really care about any other kind of noise that is going around with him because he's had to deal with it his entire career. I mean, there was a little bit of, uh, you know, like things they had to clear up that uh, it looked like, um, you know, uh, Bruno Fernandez was – was annoyed with Ronaldo a little bit, but they they ended up, I guess, coming out and saying that it's not like that, that we're fine and that everything's fine, the team's working well. And realistically, we we won't know a hundred percent until we watch them. We won't we won't yeah. uh, we can't definitively say. But I can I can from my opinion, I don't think it will affect them. I think, you know, I I still think Portugal have their work cut out for them to get first in this in this um in their group because. I think that they have probably the for one for one and two to finish one or two they have probably had the most competitive because Uruguay has just as good as a chance Portugal to have to get first because they're both really really good teams. I mean, Uruguay was the one to eliminate them from the 2018 World Cup. Like Uruguay is a very very good squad and they've gotten better since yeah. 2018. So it's going to be interesting to see how that turns out, but in the bigger picture, I don't think it, it would necessarily affect Ronaldo in any way. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that. I think Ronaldo is 100% locked in on the World Cup. I think he's going to have a good World Cup. I said it before, and I still think that. I think Ronaldo is bound to have a good World Cup. 
And this news breaking at this moment, I think it is somewhat tactical for Manchester United, you know, doing it at this time. But I don't think it's going to have any effect because I think Ronaldo, once that interview with Piers Morgan dropped, he had to know this was coming. He already knew. Already, he knew it was done. He, he, he already it expected done. it. You know, when you're calling out the Glazers and you're calling out the, the manager. And now the Glazers players, are selling. Ronaldo's bigger than players the in the team. Ronaldo knew this was coming. And it's, it's almost, I don't think it has any effect. But it is crazy, you know, speaking on your point. Ronaldo, I have to say that there has to be some correlation between the two, how much influence Ronaldo has. Because Ronaldo calls out the Glazers one time. The fans have been on the Glazers for for years. The fans have said Glazers out. They've had protests outside Old Trafford. These fans, they have voiced their opinion on the Glazers for so long. Nothing happens. Ronaldo voices his opinion one time on the Glazers, and they're selling. I find it hard to believe that there's no correlation between that. You know, Ronaldo's influence... It's I think unmatched. it's the circus that Ronaldo brought with it, and all, all the all the negative attention it brought to the Glazers is like, bro, I can't take this shit. This is this sucks. I want to sell. We want to yeah. find another investment. Is you know when you have somebody like Cristiano Ronaldo with five hundred million followers on Instagram, like one of the most just the the like the biggest superstar in the world, just you know, shitting on you. I, the press is not going to look good on you, and they're just yeah. probably like, "We've had enough." And this whole football they, thing was nice and all, but it's time to get out. They're just going to uh, go back and chill with the Bucks, you know. <laughs> get the Bucks, you know. They they should be worried about you know them right now. They should be trying to get them back. Yeah, but you know, speaking of the Bucks, I think it's uh, the perfect time to transition from the beautiful game on the pitch to. American football and, and the other type of football. America's and, football. And obviously, you know, the NFL, you know, we are getting ever closer to the, you know, the, the rubber meets the road, December. Well, it is December now. Well, it's about to be December. I mean, December, January football. December, yeah. it, it, it's getting closer and closer to that time. And that means playoff time is coming. So it's about to be week 12 this upcoming week. But obviously there were some key games and some interesting games that happened last week in week 11 that you know it's important to touch on and obviously first thing thursday night football packers versus titans you know i i i I thought the packers were going to be able to keep on their form that they showed against the the cowboys and keep that going against the titans obviously that didn't quite happen i'm going to go ahead and pass this one off to you what were your thoughts reaction to this thursday night game you know based on what happened you know, this is what I what I expected. You know, I, I I saw the the Cowboys game as kind of a one off. You know, Aaron Rodgers. You know, you teams get up to play the Cowboys. I I always expect that teams play always a little bit better. You know, unless you're the Vikings, you play a little bit better when you play the Cowboys. <laughs> but uh, you know, uh, they they went to play a very tough Tennessee team. You know, uh, we we got to see Ryan Tannehill back. You know, from he, he missed the last game versus Chiefs, I believe. Um, they, they're playing yeah. a the rookie, but Tennessee Malik is Willis. Very, yeah, Malik Willis. God, I never want to see that guy again. But uh, you know, Tennessee's a Tennessee's a tough team. They they have a great defense. They have a uh, you know King Henry, Derrick Henry run, running down your throat. And it was just a it was just too much for Green Bay to handle. I mean, that Aaron Rodgers did not play the same way he played against the Cowboys. You know, he he just looked he just looked off. And even after the game. It was the first time we've ever seen Aaron Rodgers that really just kind of almost looked like he accepted the fact that he's not what he what he used to be. He wasn't he's not what he was last season. He looked kind of like not 
not angry, just accepted the fact that he missed throws. He he missed throws that he usually makes in his sleep. Like there was yeah. a lot, there was some throws that he completely blew. And it's unlike Aaron Rodgers to do that. But I think we're starting to get to the fact that we're, you know, the road is starting to end for Aaron Rodgers as a top quarterback in this league. And I've 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 been saying it's been over. It's over for the Green Bay Packers. It's the season's done. I mean, and you, you might as well pack, pack it up. It's over. Uh, you had to win this game. Realistically, you had to win every single game. But I knew with, Tennessee gives people problems. I mean, we 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 saw them almost beat the Chiefs without you know freaking Ryan Tannehill. And Ryan Tannehill versus Green Bay Packers, he looked like Patrick Mahomes. I mean, he 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 came out there with with a. Uh, with a vengeance, he was playing really, really well. And, you know, and I mean, Derek Henry always plays well for, for that uh, Tennessee, you know, I think even threw a touchdown, you know, Mike Verbal has, yeah, he threw a touchdown. Mike Verbal has these guys always, you know, locked in and they're always, you know, a playoff lock and they're always going to be, you know, a, a good little frisky playoff team. And, yeah. you know, that's the, that's the biggest takeaway I got from this game that the t- Tennessee's, they're they're going to be a frisky little team to watch in the playoffs. Yeah, Tennessee is a team that you're not wanting to play come playoff time. It, it definitely not because given the way that they play the game, you know, it's just a tough, gritty, hard nosed. What you expect from a Mike Vrabel led team, and I'm going to get into Mike Vrabel in a second here. But the focus for this has to be on the Packers because they had their chance. You know, they, the world was watching. They they put on a show against the Dallas Cowboys with their comeback. They had me convinced that they could potentially do something here, that they had found the formula, that Aaron Rodgers has turned the corner, and that this team, even though it's not the best Packers team by any stretch of the imagination, that they could find a way like they kind of always have in the past. But ultimately, they just didn't. And I have to put some uh, blame on uh, the Packers coach, LaFleur. I have to put a lot of blame on it because he knew the recipe for success. It was shown against the Cowboys. You have to run the ball with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. You cannot have Aaron Rodgers throw in 35, 40 times in a game and expect to win like it's 2015 or 20 or even last year, Aaron Rodgers. It's just not, it's not, he's not the same guy. You cannot do, you cannot have Aaron Rodgers throw 39 times and expect old Aaron Rodgers and expect him to pick the defense apart and expect a masterclass. You just can't. You have to have Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon running the ball. You have to have them doing their thing. Aaron Jones in this game, 12 carries for only 40 yards. A.J. Dillon, only 6 carries for, for 13 yards. That's not getting it done. You, have, you got 53 rushing yards between your top two backs. That is that is not, good. not a recipe for success. And, and if you told me before the game that that was going to be the stat line for those two backs, I would have told you that the Packers lost by, by 50. You know, they was lucky to be as close as it was because the recipe for success with the Green Bay Packers is they have to have the running game going. If they have the running game going, it opens up the options because the defense can't play the same type of defense. They can hit the play action. They can get Aaron Rodgers more time to throw, you know, and and you let, let Aaron Rodgers pick apart a defense. He can do that. But when the defense is just honing in on, on the pass because they know that the Packers are not having a good run game, He's not going to be that. He's not going to pick you apart when you're playing a heavy zone. You have to be able to run the ball so that the defense has to play more up, so that they have to respect the run, 
And then you're going to let Aaron Rodgers pick you apart when you're not playing zone defense, you're playing a man or something. Okay, it's much more realistic. But if Aaron Rodgers has to pick apart uh, a, t- a Titans defense, which is really, really good, that's playing zone, expecting the pass, it's not happening. It is not happening. And that's ultimately what cost the Packers this game. It's, unless, and it's not even saying that Rodgers had a bad game. He didn't throw any interceptions. 24 out of 39, 227 yards, two touchdowns. Obviously, you know, when you throw 39 times, you'd probably like to have over 300 yards, but it's just one of those things. 15 incompletions, you know, he missed throws that he typically makes. But for me, and you could put some of the blame on Rodgers because he's probably, you know, also a factor in calling some of these plays. But for me, he he, he has to know, and so does uh, LaFleur, that, this Packers team lives and it dies by the run game. And, and that's it's crazy to say because we've never really said that about a Green Bay Packers team. But they live and die by the run. And to and on Thursday, they died by the run. They did they not died. get it going. And that's and that's ultimately what cost them their season because now they had no chance at making the playoffs. It's over. Pack it up. Tank for the rest of the season and, and prepare for next season. Get a good draft pick. That's what I'm saying with the Packers. You know, but... For the Titans, it was it was a dominant performance, you know, going in, uh, the, you know, they they did what they needed to do. Like you said, Ryan Tannehill was looking like Patrick Mahomes out there. I mean, he was absolutely lighting them up. He's, he's, 22 for 27, 333 yards, two touchdowns. He did have one interception. Derrick Henry did Derrick Henry things. 28 carries, 87 yards, a touchdown. He also threw for a touchdown. Traylon Burks had a breakout game, uh, seven receptions for 111 yards. That's what the Titans have been missing was a true receiver that can that can put up those types of numbers. It'll be interesting to see if he can keep that going. But for me, it's the better team won. You know, I had hope that the Packers would be able to keep the momentum. They weren't. The better team won this game. The Packers, they are not a good football team. It's time to to stop treating them as such. It's time to pack it up. You know, they have Aaron Rodgers, but they are not a good team by any stretch. We know that by now. It's time for the Packers to be preparing for next season. But the Titans, you know, it's one of those things. And I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this. Are you taking them as a true contender in the AFC? I wouldn't go as far to say that. You know, I, I think um, I think they're always going to be a, a well-coached, uh, solid defensive team. Little, you know, I think they're frisky. But, you know, as far as contender, no. no. There's too many good teams in the AFC to, to vault them to contender status, you know? Yeah, and it's one of those things. Like, obviously, they're always pretty good, and they always have, you know, Derrick Henry, and they're always going to be well coached by Mike Vrabel. But I tend to agree. It's one of those things. They they have a, they have a ceiling, and their ceiling is to be a consistent playoff team. They're going to make the divisional round. They might sneak into the AFC Championship game depending on the matchup, but they're not making the Super Bowl. They're not winning a Super Bowl, you know. Yeah. And and that's not and that's not a slight against Mike Vrabel. If Mike Vrabel gets a, a couple more pieces onto this team, it would be yeah, scary. Yeah. It would be scary, absolutely, because you know you're not winning a t- uh, Super Bowl with Ryan Tannehill. You're just not that. You know, you so you could say the quarterback position is obviously the main thing. That's like okay, if they had a even a somewhat dynamic offense, it would, the picture would be completely different for the Titans. But they play an old school style of football, and and it works. But you know, uh, they're not keeping up with the Chiefs. They're not keeping up with the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, they're not keeping. Not. Yeah, they, from, and for me, they're not even really keeping up with the Dolphins' offense. You know, it's, it's just. The, the, the AFC has high-powered offenses. And sometimes you could say great defense beats great offense, but the, the Titans don't have the offense to keep up. Yeah, no. I think they, they like the Titans' defense might get some stops on them, but 
you can't stop these great offenses for so long. Eventually, they're going to get their points. It's just they're going to figure it. That's, figure that's it what's going to hold the Titans back. But I wanted to get your thoughts on Mike Vrabel specifically. Do you think Mike Vrabel is a is a top five potentially coach in the NFL? I I would say yeah. I think he sneaks in there there um in in the five. I think just how he's able to consistently bring this team to the playoffs. You know, it's always like you know the Titans are gonna be a playoff team. There's no, there's never really a doubt with it, and a lot of that has to come down to Mike Vrabel. I think he's I think he's outstanding, and he does he does great with what he has. And exactly, like like you said, you know, if 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 he has, you know, you know, maybe added two more, you know, maybe like a true uh, true one receiver and maybe a little bit better of a quarterback, we'd be having a different discussion that uh, and the fact that they're contenders in the AF and uh, AFC. But um, as as of right now, I think he is a top coach. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that. I think Mike Rabel is an elite coach in the NFL. The Titans, they they have they have. You know, one of those guys that you're going to want to keep it uh, for for many many years. You know, I, yeah. I I don't see the Titans getting rid of Mike Vrabel anytime soon. If they do, <laughs> it'll be a big mistake. But I think I, I think he is a, a top top coach in the league. I hope that you know one of these years he gets a true true elite quarterback. Maybe not even elite, just a, a good quarterback, better than Ryan Tannehill. Good, not yeah. no disrespect to Ryan Tannehill, but he's not winning you a Super Bowl. He's not he's not taking you. He, he, you look, you put Ryan Tannehill against Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs. You know who you know who you're taking uh, every game, ten times out of ten. Um, yeah. You know the same thing goes with Josh Allen. Same thing goes in my opinion, even with Tua. So, I think that's ultimately what's going to hold back the Titans this year, and it's held them back in years past. It's going to continue to hold them back. But you know you have to give them credit. They're they're always going to be a good team, but they're never going to be a great great team. You know that's just where they're at. Hmm. It'd be interesting to see how they're able to finish off the season, though. And, you know, I necessarily wouldn't want to play them come playoff time. But if you do, it's not the end of the world. Yeah. They're a tough team, but, you know, it could be worse. Yeah. But moving on to the next, you know, what what we thought would be a very close game, but ended up just being an absolute wipeout was the Cowboys versus the Vikings. And And I I wanted... I want I want, I want you to talk, I want you to okay, talk yeah, on yeah. this first. I definitely want you to be able it, to talk on this first. You you picked the Vikings to win this game, correct? Well, I think when we're making our picks, <laughs> it's somebody said. Who did yeah, you I pick? Picked, I picked the Vikings. You pick you pick okay. You picked the Vikings. So you just so happened to pick the Vikings when <laughs> you picked the Vikings when they had the Cowboys got. The biggest road win in the history of their franchise. Think think back of all the great Cowboys teams. You know, the Super Bowl winning Cowboys. They never beat a team this bad away from home. They absolutely demolished them. This was the probably the most complete performance from a football team this entire year. Their offense was firing. Their defense was firing. They were able to hold Justin Jefferson to three catches for 33 yards. You know, just before the game before, we saw Justin Jefferson looking like uh, Randy Moss versus, you know, uh, the the, uh, Buffalo Bills. We were like, this guy's unstoppable. You could triple team him. You could quadruple team him. It doesn't matter. The Cowboys were like, listen, watch this shit. And they just completely shut him down. You know, Micah and the Marauders were eaten. You know, Micah, I think, uh, got a banged up on his knee. He played through it. Hopefully, he's all right. I think uh, I haven't seen any 
any updates on that it, it that it's uh any worse than what it looked like but um other than that the cowboys that it, it's an understatement to say they dominated the, the vikings they they murdered them it looked like they uh you know it looked like they're playing a high school team to be fair like you know just absolutely destroyed them. Kirk Cousins, you know, ha- had a had a horror show. They they couldn't get a touchdown. They, they all they, all they got were three measly little points. It got yeah. to the point to where we were watching, and they just took the game off. Like third 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 quarter, they took the game off. We couldn't even watch it anymore. I had to pull up a stream just to finish out the game because they were like, it, it was like cutting away from like a you know like a mass casualty event. It's like you y'all we, you can't you guys can't look at this no more. It's not cut the cameras like this isn't good and you know obviously i'm not i'm not gonna act like i i i picked the cowboys but obviously i didn't pick them to win by this amount but i i it's still it's still surprising that that, that they that they won by this amount but i'm not surprised they won at the end of the day I, I had the cowboys winning because realistically the vikings you know they they weren't gonna go this entire year with just losing one game they're gonna drop some games they're not the you know, like we said, they they can play good defense, but they're still a bottom, you know, bottom ranked defense. They they can play defense in little increments, little t- little capsules of time. They can play good defense, but in the bigger picture here, they're not a great defensive team. You know, they 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 got a dog mentality, but you know, sometimes you know the dog gets put down. Yeah, well, that, that to say to say that the dog got put down is an understatement. <laughs> <laughs> he's buried. They, they 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 took him out back they took him to the big barn in the sky like he's gone dog's gone yeah um you know obviously i picked the vikings you know a lot of that was i took into account uh the fact that the packers they dismantled the cowboys especially in the fourth quarter and i thought the vikings were going to keep on the momentum especially at, coming off of a uh, a dramatic win against the Bills, but to be quite frank, the exact opposite happened at home, which is even more disgraceful. Oh yeah, Dak looked maybe the best I've ever seen Dak play. I think, Dak, I think this is the, the the best game Dak's ever played in his career. This is the Dak, best Dak Prescott we've ever seen. Dak absolutely lit up the Vikings, and when and I said this, I expected Dak when he replaced Cooper Rush midseason. You know, coming back from his injury. I expected Dak to elevate his game. I expected him to be the, maybe even the best Dak we've ever seen. This was the Dak I was expecting to see then. We didn't quite see it. If he can keep this up, it's going to be scary. Dak put on a show. 22 out of 25 passing. 276 yards. Two touchdowns. And obviously, the stats would have been even worse. But they were beating them so bad, they had to take him out of the game. Cooper they Rush took him off. Cooper Rush got back in the game. It was an absolute <laughs> masterclass by Dak. But... You know, the star of the show, Tony freaking Pollard. Oh, Tony my Pollard. God. 15, uh, 15 carries, 80 rushing, 80 rushing yards, six catches, 109 receiving yards, two touchdowns. And then Zeke, you know, Disgusting. being the, the, the pairing, 15 carries for 42 yards and two touchdowns, mostly on the goal line. And everyone wants to make it out to be a big deal. Tony Pollard or Zeke, who should be starting, blah, blah, blah. It's it's a whole load of, of, of nothing. Why are we having this debate? The it's a, starting yeah. running back, it, it's a meaningless role. It's just who you, you get a tick on your resume that you started a game. But it means nothing. They are carrying the same amount of carries. And quite frankly, you know, you could argue that Tony Pollard should be getting more carries based on what he's doing. But I think that the Cowboys are using you, these two backs perfectly at the moment. 
because Tony Pollard is playing out perfectly. of his mind. Yeah, perfectly. But you know, you give him any more of the rock, he's gonna be gassed. He's not gonna quite be as effective. You need Zeke and him to continue to be that one-two punch. Fifteen carries a piece, a piece is perfect because it allows you know Zeke to get the get his touches, do his thing, be the power back, lead this football team like he has done in the past. He's a he's a mental guy. He's a locker room guy. These guys respect Zeke. You got to have Zeke happy. And I'm glad that they're giving him the ball on the one yard line because he's their power back, and he's the guy that's going to punch it in from the one yard line more so than Tony Pollard. No disrespect to Tony Pollard. He's a great back. But using Tony Pollard in the ways that Mike McCarthy has used him so far is perfect. And I've criticized Mike McCarthy a lot, especially after the Packers game. But the way he's using these two backs is perfect. And everyone wants to make it out to be that Pollard should be starting, blah, blah, blah. It's a whole, it's a whole load of waffle. You, like, it's just meaningless. It's a meaningless conversation. Who starts does not matter. Now, if the argument was that, uh, that Zeke should be getting less carries and, and Pollard should be getting more carries. You could make that argument, but I don't think so. I think that they're using these two backs perfectly, the perfect amount of carries. And it, and I think, you know, I got to give tip my cap to Mike McCarthy for, for what he's done with these two backs, because it's quite a one, two punch. And it's not a one, two punch that you want to face, especially come playoff time when writing the football is so key, but it's it's easy to to point out the the greatness of this offense that we just saw, but also you got to tip your cap to this defense. We know how good this Cowboys defense is. We've raved about them all season. Micah Parsons, you know, he's a defensive player of the year candidate. It's just it's what we come to expect. And I and, but nobody expected it to be this bad. You know, Vikings have a solid offense. I don't think anybody expected them to be able to hold them yeah, to only I mean, three that- points. Man, you have you have the best oh, the best receiver in the game, and arguably the best receiver in the game. Exactly. You know, re- you don't really defense, see th- this happen. Yeah. This Cowboys defense locked them up. They kept Dalvin Cook under wraps. You know, they made Justin Jefferson look at Cal- uh, Casper the friendly ghost. You know, he wasn't even there. Three catches for thirty three yards. He wasn't he wasn't even there. Pretty much, he might as well have. But uh, you might as well just not played. Go play some Madden at home or something. I mean, like you yeah. just might as well have stayed home. But. It's just, and obviously, you know, Kirk Cousins, you know, he his stat line is like absolutely terrible. Oh, 12, God. 12, 12, 12 passes completed, 23 Take attempted. Take the chains off, Kirk Cousins. Take 105 yards, zero touchdowns. I mean, Jesus, that's just absolutely terrible. <laughs> and obviously, it's not including the, the strip sack, you know, because he, he did lose a fumble. And for me, the game, I knew that it was might be over as soon as that strip sack happened because it just seemed like the Cowboys were just the better team. And this leads into my next point. I want I want to get your thoughts on this, but I kind of thought this, you know, and, and it, my opinion maybe might have changed after the Bills game because you know it was a, it was a, a, a it was a, a performance that okay you know the the Vikings have kind of proved themselves, but I wasn't 100% convinced, and now after I've seen this, it, I'm all but convinced pretty much. The Minnesota Vikings are fraudulent. They're they're a fraudulent eight and two team. They're, they're like, like they are not as good as their record shows that they are. Ultimately, they're going to make the playoffs uh, handily. They're a good team, but they're not a great team. They're not a Super Bowl level team. And for me, when I think about my top contenders in the NFC, even though the Vikings have one of the best record, I don't put I don't put the Vikings in that category. I'm taking the 49ers before I take the Vikings. I'm taking the Philadelphia Eagles before I take the Vikings. And I'm damn sure taking the Dallas Cowboys before I take the Vikings. So, in a sense, the Vikings are fraudulent. 
you know, because they are not as good as their record shows that they are. People were talking about them, you know. Oh my God, they're going to the Super Bowl. Kirk Cousins, you know, look, Kirk Cousins is not taking Kirk Super Cousins. Bowl. It's not happening. No. You know, nah. the Vikings, they're a good team. They have a good foundation, but they still have they still have some pieces that they need. They are not quite that team that they're going to perform in the playoffs. They're fraudulent, and I wanted to get your thoughts. Do you think that the Vikings are fraudulent? I think. I think it's 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 harsh to say they're fraudulent, but I think their their record is misleading. It's very misleading to be even just you know eight and two. It it makes you you, you read that and you're like oh this team's got a this team's got something, and I think that they can on on their day they they can be uh you know I I almost put them in the same a little bit like with the Titans they're they're a frisky playoff team. I mean that's what I've always looked at them this entire even when they. When, even when they were, um, you know, still uh, before this loss, I had them as, you know, their ceiling, you know, may, maybe, a, you know, a, the championship game. But at most, I, I think they'd get out the first round. But that that's just about it. Like, I, I never really had the expectations. There's a lot of people, oh, the Vikings should be in, you know, ESPN's uh, contenders for the Super Bowl. No, they, no, they shouldn't have. Like, no, they, they, they were never that. Like, like. Because th- this is all the same. We've seen this all before. We saw the Steelers go ele- what eleven and zero, and then what they yeah, they got yeah, bounced the right first round. Yeah. yeah, it's it's like, you know, you you have to, you, people have to be just smarter with like you have to just look at it realistically because like records can be misleading. You're acting the people are act like records have never lied before. Like it's just the Vikings are not as good as the record says. And I'm not saying they're horrible. I'm just saying they're they're not a Super Bowl contender. Not a lot 100%. of teams are Super Bowl contenders, man. Like it is like it's not a, a slap in the face to Vikings fan to say you're probably not making the Super Bowl. Cause shit, did you think you're gonna have this record before the season started? No, you didn't. Be happy with where you are, man. Like yeah, it it's you're gonna you're gonna be uh, go to the playoffs and you might get out the first round. Be happy with that. Because that's about as best as you're getting. You're not going to the damn Super Bowl with Kirk Cousins. I don't know how y'all thought Justin. Je- I don't think even if you put Randy Moss out there, Randy Moss ain't carrying Kirk Cousins to no damn Super Bowl. That's not happening. So no. I think the the ro- the rose covered glasses have to come off. The reality has to set in because the the beating the Cowboys put on you that 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 shit doesn't go away. That's on you forever. Cause you're, no. cause you let you let the Cowboys put a record on you. That's the that's 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 the biggest road win of their entire franchise. And as as decorated and as you know tenured as the Cowboys are, how old the damn franchise is to to be that team that that you know that that you're known for. Oh, you we they beat you, and it was on your home field. It's just like. You know, that's something that's going to stick with you for a long time. And like like you said, I don't see them beating the 49ers. I mean, right now, I don't see a lot of teams beating the 49ers. But, you know, but I, wanted to I think that that's going to be, you know, this a little bit off. I, I'm excited to see, you know, poss- a possible rematch of Cowboys and 49ers because, you know, these teams are almost completely different. I mean, the Cowboys defense has, looks transformed and the 49ers offense looks just almost on another level. I mean, it's, it's looking, got it's Jimmy looking, G looking like um, Joe Montana. Jimmy G look, yeah. Jimmy G looking like Joe Montana, man. He, he's, he's turned back, you know, but you know, 
what's what's more likely to happen? The, um, the Cowboys to turn back to the old Cowboys or Jimmy G to turn back to Jimmy Gag? Who knows? We're gonna have to see. This this is the this is the beauty with sports, and um, that's that's what we're here to watch. We're gonna be here to see it all. So, do you think that the Cowboys, you know, given this result, but also given you know what happened against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, are you taking the Cowboys serious as a Super Bowl contender? As of right now, no. This entire year, I've I've I think I've stuck with the idea that. I didn't really think they're Super Bowl contenders. I think they're, uh, you know, it, it's almost sound. I sound like a broken record. There, are, there's a lot of great teams. Not everybody's going to be a Super Bowl contender, and I think that's what they are. They're, they're a really good team, but they're missing one piece, and it, it looks like they're missing an Odell size piece. I think that's that. That's the only thing we're going to get into a little more. That's the only thing I think they're missing. The problem with the Cowboys is consistency. They, they're not consistent enough. And most of it comes down to their consistency with offense. They've they've had a trouble that much with the defense. Usually you see their defense will, will stall if their offense stalls because I mean shit, you're you're just having you're having the defense go out and out, you're going three and out, three and out, three and out. You if your offense isn't clicking, you're gonna affect your defense. But if they're able to, you know, Michael Gallup. Look like he's finally coming back a little bit. You know, finally, mm-hmm. we have to talk about Michael Gallup look like he's got knocked again. Please, God, no more. I don't want to hear Michael Gallup looks like he's limping. Please, no more, man. Just keep this guy, keep this guy so he can play a couple games. But yeah. I believe they're one piece away. There's one guy. Jerry knows who he needs. And the te- they're tweeting at him. They're tweeting at him. And he says they're looking, they're looking good. So... We'll just have to see. I find it interesting that you said that because I I kind of, you know, would have expected you to, you know, fully uh, go all in because to be quite honest, I think the Cowboys are definite Super Bowl contenders as of right now. They are almost a complete football team, you know, and, and like you said, they do lack consistency in some ways. However, from what I'm seeing, you know, Dak just played his best game, arguably of his career. And we have seen Tony Pollard, Oh my God! I mean, do do I have to say again he's how good he was? And you know, Zeke, he's been playing he's, good this entire season. Zeke and Tony Pollard, this this one-two punch. It's it's elite. Probably the best and one-two punch in the league. Exactly. So it just comes down to: Is Dak going to be consistent, and is the rest of the offense going to remain consistent? Because I have no question marks about this Cowboys defense. They are so good. They are elite. This defense is Super Bowl worthy. It's just: Is the offense going to the be offense, consistent? Yeah. And I have a feeling that this, this, and, and, you know, momentum has kind of let me down recently because it's part of the reason why I picked the Vikings. But I think that the Cowboys are going to be able to keep this up. I think that they, they might have found the blueprint. They might have turned the corner. And also, I think that they are going to sign Odell. And that leads me into my next point that I want to ask you. At this very moment, do you think the Cowboys are the favorites to sign Odell and will they sign Odell? And if not, then who will? At this moment, I can't see him going anywhere else. It's like it's written in the stars. The biggest team in the league signing the biggest player, you know, the mo- not the best player, but the biggest, most followed player. It's like written in the stars, you know, uh, a match made in heaven that these got that these two would come together. And I think Odell sees this team similar to the way he saw the Rams last year that 
this team just needs a little bit more, just a, need a little push. And he and he knows he can do that because we saw what Odell did for the Rams last uh, last year when they won the Super Bowl. He he, it was a little bit of a slow start, but when the playoffs hit, he was running, he was firing. I mean, he I think he ran for like what he ran for a buck against um the Bucks. Well, here you know, here, here with with the Rams, Odell he had forty eight catches, five hundred ninety three yards, seven touchdowns, including two catches for fifty two yards and one touchdown in the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's and I think he sees like, like I said the same way he sees these Cowboys that they're just one guy away, and just how the team, the locker room would be ecstatic that you get Odell. They're already compa- uh, sent a campaign to get this damn guy. And Jerry Jones said they they have a meeting with them. It's going to come down to a number, and it's going to be, is Odell willing to accept the offer uh, Jerry Jerry offers him? And it's 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 tough to say what, what it will, because Jerry is usually, he's a little stingy with players that he hasn't drafted. He doesn't really like, you know, going into the free agency. But for Odell, I think you have to, because if you get Odell, you and you have Odell, you have CD, and you have Michael Gallup, back my god and you have the the one two punch and tony pollard and ezekiel elliott and you have dak playing he doesn't even have to play like he did versus the vikings he playing semi-decent it's like my god what this this, this offense is revolutionary because you have you have odell out there he pulls a little bit off of cd so cds now is not doesn't have a hundred percent of of the of the um the attention and now oh, they're they're starting to split it, and Odell Odell's an elite route runner, and I I think with how technology is, Odell's going to be fine after this surgery. How just how things how technology and everything's developed back in the day, you know, maybe you would say that this this would be a you know a real real like um would be a detriment to his career, you know, tearing a what would he tear an ACL? Yeah, I believe he tear an ACL. Yeah. With just how those construction surgeries have have advanced, I think he'll be fine. He'll he'll go back to to be similar to what he was at the Rams, and if he was, this Cowboys, I mean, I I've this entire year I have not budged on my 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 uh, Super Bowl picks of Bills Bucks, but if Odell goes to the Cowboys, I would I would strongly consider. I think they beat the Bucks. With I mean, obviously you don't you don't rate the Bucks alley, but in a sense, if we're talking about you, I think that whoever you picked to go to um, the Super oh, Bowl, God. the Cowboys beat them. You picked the well, you picked the Rams. I pick any. Yeah, okay, it, okay, yeah, okay, yeah. They're not making it. So yeah, I think a hundred percent, the Cowboys would be easily to, would vault themselves to in my standards, you know, like just, just a great team to Super Bowl, Super Bowl to be like to be in the Super Bowl that be a lock in to an extent because. That that would just solve almost their biggest problem. I I thought they they had a problem replacing Amari Cooper, and you get Odell. That's pretty good. Yeah, and that's I think more than good enough. Especially the how how leaps and bounds this defense has taken. And it's just if they if they get it, it's it's scary hours for the league. It's you know, I mean the cow the Cowboys haven't what been to the Super Bowl in what 20, 30, 40 years. How long has it been? It wouldn't even lie. Eighties, yeah, dude. I my mean, like my, my my dad was a teenager, man. I, I don't even think he was in this country at this point. Like, this is how long ago this was, and they they're they're just you know they're one number away, you know. 
And I, I think uh, they're looking at the range of, you know, like a Michael Gallup contract, 20, 20 million, 22 million. And, you know, it depends how, how long-term of a deal you want to give Odell. But realistically, Cowboys, this is your best shot. You you, you might as well plunge. Oh. Like what, what else are you wait? What else are you waiting for, man? Like you, That's what I was who knows, say. who knows how long you're going to have this, this defense for like Micah could get hurt any week. Realistically, he, he could, he could bump his knee and, and be be gone for the rest of the year or next season you, you could be gone for that, that season you have to do it now because there's no point in waiting now you got to do it now and especially odell's a free agent you're not giving up any picks no you just got not. you got to splurge man you, you got to do gotta it the money and this is this is this is going to be real telling to how jerry jones like says he, he says i'm heard the the big quote you guys do not know how big of a check i would write to win a super bowl jerry let's see we're gonna see how 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 much you're willing to spend to win the Super Bowl because this is your shot. This is it. I, I I tend to agree with you. I think that Odell is going to be Cowboys bound. I think it, it, it's the, the the stars are aligning. You know, similar to what you said, it makes the most sense at this moment. The Cowboys they 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 might be that one piece away from being true true contenders, and Odell might just be that piece. We know how good their defense is, and if there's any uh point at their offense that we're saying okay they could use uh, a piece there it's the wide receiver core and ultimately you add odell you know it's going to be telling to see or it's gonna be interesting to see how he exactly he comes back from his surgery but i think he's going to come back and be the same old odell like you said and i think odell on the cowboys would take this team up a notch and i already consider this team a very very good team but i think he takes them up another level and i think if jerry spends the money and he, he writes the check and he gets Odell like he should it it's they will make the Super Bowl I think it'll be between them and the 49ers because I rate the 49ers so so highly I think with, it's yeah with, without without Odell I don't think they beat the 49ers but with Odell they beat the 49ers yeah I, I think, think it literally right comes now, down to that right now for me my favorites in the NFC is, is the Cowboys and the Niners and 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 that's even if they don't get Odell that's my two favorites now, the Cowboys add Odell, I have to give the Cowboys the edge. The only reason that you would you would you could not give the Cowboys the edge is because you think that they're gonna choke again because that's kind of in their history since the 80s. But so, I don't think that's yeah. gonna happen. And ultimately, you know, Jerry even said it after the game. He said that this is a Super Bowl team. And he said, and he like you said, he was willing to spend, or he said he's willing to spend whatever it takes. There's nothing stopping you. You have to make this signing. If you are serious about making the Super Bowl and potentially winning it, Jerry Jones, you have to sign Odell Beckham Jr. I don't care the cost. I don't care what he wants. You have to make this, you have to make this signing. You there's no excuse for it. If ands or buts, there's no excuse. There's no reason. I mean, the players are tweeting out this damn guy. I mean, uh, you know, you have you have Micah tweeting him out. You have you have everybody, you know basically begging this guy said please make the right decision just imagine what this would do for the locker room the fact that they've oh. already been campaigning and you reward them with we just got you we got you guys odell beckham jr just the aura of odell is gonna is gonna be like we have this guy we have odell we have the biggest star in the game and we are the biggest team in the country it's just is going to be leaps and bounds better for the offense. And it's going to help out even though for the defense, because you're not going to have as many three and outs as you would 
if you didn't have Odell. If Jerry does not make this move and gets Odell Beckham Jr., I'm going to come on here and rip into him. I'm just letting you know now. This no, is I, this is a te- this is a telling moment for Jerry absolute Jones. Absolute disgrace if he doesn't. This is a very telling moment because you know he keeps, he always says how bad he wants to win a Super Bowl, and the NFC is wide open to a, to a certain extent. You know the Eagles. You know they're a solid team. For me, like I said, it's between them and it's between the Eagles, the 49ers, and the Cowboys. But I consider the Cowboys and the 49ers both a little bit better, especially if they get Odell. You know the Cowboys are probably the best of the bunch for me. But it's open. Mm-hmm. The, the Cowboys, this is their best chance that they've had in years. Years. They have not had this type of opportunity to realistically get this far in the playoffs, potentially make a Super Bowl. It just it hasn't happened. They haven't had a clear-cut opportunity like this almost ever, you know, since the 80s. This is it. This is it. Jerry Jones, like I said, you have to make this move. If you do not make this move, it is a disgrace. You've let Cowboys Nation down if you don't make this move. You, you, you basically slapped your team in the face. You've said that, that, that basically that you're, you're, not, you're, basically you're not a man of your word because all you talk about is how bad you want to win the Super Bowl. This is, this is the guy you need to win the Super Bowl, potentially to just make the Super Bowl. And if you don't pull the trigger on this move, it's a disgrace. Absolutely. I agree. Because uh, like, uh, it, it, it would be, just be so contradictory of what, he, what he's been saying, you know? It, it's just like all he talks about, I mean, literally you can't get you can't get Jerry Jones in an interview or post the game without him talking about how badly he wants to go to the fucking Super Bowl, you know? Well, this is it. Exactly. This is it. This is, it. This is your opportunity. This is it. He might not get this opportunity again. So, it, look, I mean, who? It, what I, other wide receivers are going to be, you know? As we saw with the Los Angeles Rams, Super Bowl windows are so small. You're like, like, unless you've got Patrick Mahomes, your Super Bowl window of, of, of realistic chances to win a Super Bowl, it's very small. If you have a chance and you, you see that you're maybe one piece away, two pieces away, you have to pull the trigger and make that move because you do not know what's going to happen next season. Micah Parsons could get injured. Dak Prescott could tear his ACL. I'm not wishing it on him, knock on wood. But things happen in the NFL. And realistically, this is looking like the stars have aligned. The NFC is not looking quite as strong. You know, the, the Cowboys might be the best team in the NFC, especially if they get Odell. And if you don't pull this trigger on a chance, a golden opportunity, it's basically like, like the leprechaun has just found the end of the rainbow and he's got the pot of gold. It's basically what this is. And basically, if you do not pull this trigger, it's, it's a slap in the face to the, to the players, Cowboys Nation. And it's, been, and it's so contradictory. It, it'd be an absolute disgrace. But yeah, I think... It, I think Jerry Jones is going to pull the trigger on this. I would be shocked if he doesn't. And that's why if he doesn't, I'm going to be on here ripping his ass. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to yeah, be on absolutely. here ripping into Jerry Jones. But <laughs> I think Jerry he's going Jones. to pull the trigger on this. I, and I think as long as Odell wants to come, which it seems like he does, and I, I think this is it's not a done deal, but I think it's it's inevitable at this point. It, it, it looks like the highest possibility because what, what's the other option? The the Giants? God, don't like, go to the, like, like Giants, the Bills. Man. No, I, I mean, after that snow, hell no. God, no. No way. No, 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 no way. After that snow and how they've been playing. Why, why would he want to go to a loaded AFC when he could go to the Cowboys in the NFC? I, I just, it wouldn't make any sense for me. Yeah, it's from, from what, from what, which one, which team looks like the most, like the same situation the Rams were in. It's, it's, you know, the it's the Cowboys. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, time will tell with that. 
moving forward from you know one team that is uh, looking like Super Bowl contenders to one team who we know are Super Bowl contenders, the Kansas City Chiefs. They played Sunday Night Football against the Chargers, and great you game. know it was a great game. It was uh, it's it's one of those things when the Chiefs and the Chargers when they play against each other, it's you're expecting a classic. It's it, it's always going to be a high scoring game. It's always going to be yeah, good. It's a shootout. The, the shootouts between Mahomes and, and and Herbert they're always good. But I'll pass this one up to you. Your initial reaction to this game, you know, as a neutral. Yeah, um, you know, I think it, it was uh, just telling to see what Kansas City are. I mean, they they just proven to what they they've they've always been. I mean. We thought we'd they take a step back and they've just completely decided, you know what, that's not what we're doing. We're we're the best that we've always been. And yeah. with, with Tyreek, no Tyreek, it doesn't matter. We have Travis Kelsey and we'll we'll string some wide receivers, we'll make it work. No, no Juju Smithster doesn't matter. We'll make it work. We'll we'll find a way. We'll you know we'll we'll make we'll make things work and we'll win games. And that's what they're doing. I mean, against this um Chargers team that Chargers have been, you know, a letdown, but they're still a great team. They're still pretty good, and um, they always get into shoot shootouts. And uh, you know, Mahomes went for three, uh, three twenty, three twenty nine with three touchdowns, no interceptions, to Justin Herbert's two eighty with two touchdowns, but one interception. And I think that's what is really the main difference with this team. That one team has Patrick Mahomes, and one team does not have Patrick Mahomes. Because and a little bit, one has Kelsey, and one doesn't, but. You know, I think it was just another defining win in into their run into you know they, this team has Super Bowl aspirations and that's you know they're they're just proving more and more why they are Super Bowl contenders. No, one hundred percent. They've proven yeah, once again why uh, they're a force to be reckoned with in, in the AFC. I expect them as things uh, currently stand to get that number one seed, which pretty much I mean. Kansas City getting the number one seed means it's going to be tough because going into Arrowhead in the playoffs is, is not an easy task for anybody. Josh Allen was so close to being able to, to do that, but he ultimately he couldn't finish the job. Um, so ultimately, it's one of those things. Patrick Mahomes, once again, he showed why, you know, he, he's uh, for many people. And, you know, and I said last week, you know, Tua, you know, he's looking like the MVP. You know, it's, it's, it's like, between, it's, yeah, it's going by week by week right now, right? Right now, Patrick right now, Mahomes leading MVP. Yeah, right now, you know, Mahomes is, he's, he's, he's taking it back. You know, after this performance, Mahomes has taken back the MVP award because, like you said, 329, three touchdowns. And, you know, he, he got his help. You know, obviously, it, it's a little bit helpful when you have, you know, uh, the greatest tight end of all time. We're going to get into that. Travis Kelsey playing at the peak of his powers, you know, six catches, 115 yards, three touchdowns. But also, and and this is something he, that doesn't always happen. He got help on the running game. You know, the running game was there for him this game. Isaiah Pacheco, fifteen carries, one hundred seven yeah, Pacheco, oh, Pacheco played really well. Seven point one yards per carry, and and that just tells me a little bit that you know the Chargers defense. Obviously, they have injuries, so it's not quite you know, the, that Chargers defense we expected. But really, they're not really they're not that great. Predicted that and was <laughs> yeah, yeah. We we yeah. talked about even before the season started that you know. The Chargers have a lot of people that are tend to be injury prone, injury and you know prone. we kind of we kind of hope that they didn't. But I mean, it's just the reality of what's going on that it's yeah. hard to keep so, all these guys healthy at once. I mean, Pacheco is the first 100 yard rusher for a Kansas City Chiefs. 
since week four of last year, which that's a mind-boggling <laughs> that's stat crazy. because you need a good rushing game for the most part to be able to win in the NFL. But the Chiefs, they kind of do it by committee. And, it, and obviously, when you've got Patrick Mahomes, you know, it, it, you'll be all right. But, you know, ultimately, my focus, you know, it, it, look, it was a great game by the Chiefs. It was a great game-winning drive. And, you know, the Chiefs did what I expect them to do. I expected them to win that game. You know, and, and quite frankly, that's why, you know, it, it's what I expected. You know, it, it's what the Chiefs have made me expect. You know, and I'll, I'll get into Travis Kelsey specifically, but I want to put my focus on the Los Angeles Chargers because once again, Justin Herbert could not get it done in a game that he could have proved himself a little bit more. Look, he beats Patrick Mahomes there and this Chiefs, you know, dynamic offense, and he's able to to get the win. The narrative starts to change a little bit. However, this this Justin Herbert narrative that he can't quite get it done when it matters most is going to continue. Ultimately, you know, this season, he, this Chargers team has not been what we expected. Part of that is due to injuries, but also part of that is just due to, in my opinion, you know, bad coaching. And, you know, is Justin Herbert in the absolute best scenario? On paper, before the season, yes, he was. Now, looking at this roster and, and, and how injuries have played out and everything, He's not, and I'm not saying Justin Herbert is a bad quarterback. He had 280, 280 like you said, two touchdowns. He had only one interception, mm -hmm. but he's overrated. Justin Herbert is overrated at the end of the day because people, they thought he's the, the best quarterback in his Maybe, draft. Yeah, class. be a top, better than, yeah. better than Joe Burrow. In my opinion, I, I'm taking Joe Burrow at, and I'm taking He's looking Tua. at like the third, yeah. He's looking at, I'm taking he's Tua and right Joe now. Burrow over Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert cannot get it done when it matters most. You know, and and this is, this is, going to be telling because right now the chargers they're they're on the verge of not making the playoffs again which would be a complete and utter failure it would be a complete failure for this chargers team even with the injuries to not make the playoffs because you have arguably before the season people were saying you got one of the best quarterbacks in the game that's what they were saying i wasn't saying it but people were saying it so you, you were kind of believing it though to be fair well i i i, yeah. I, I you I you had an all la final I believed, in the I believed in the Chargers, but that's also because of the defensive adjustments that they made. They brought in Khalil Mack. They had J.C. Jackson. It was hard for me to, to not look at this Chargers team on paper and think that they were going to go to the Super Bowl. But, you know, Justin Herbert has not looked like the guy I expected him to be. Tua's genuinely looked better. Joe Burrow has continued to look better. But also, you know, the defense has been injured, and it's, it just hasn't quite been as good. This Chargers team is just not as good as I thought they were going to be. But... So this is Justin Herbert's third season. He hasn't made the playoffs his first two seasons. A list of first-round quarterbacks in the last uh, 10 seasons to have made the playoffs within his first three seasons. This list consists of Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Jared Goff, RG3, Lamar Jackson, Andrew Luck, Patrick Mahomes, Marcus Mariota, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Mitch Trubisky, Deshaun Mitch Watson, Trubisky. and Carson Wentz. Now, the list of first-round quarterbacks to miss the playoffs within their first three seasons, Blake Bortles, Sam Darnold, Daniel Jones, Ryan Tannehill, Jameis Winston, and potentially, if it continues, Justin Herbert. He is a fraud. Justin Herbert is a fraud. He can't take his team to the playoffs. He cannot take his team to the playoffs. And I don't want to hear it about the situation. Oh, the coaching is bad. Oh, he's Keenan Allen has been injured. Oh, this guy's injured. The greatest of the greats, they're able to lead their team and take them to the playoffs. 
It, all I'm asking you is to take them to the playoffs. It's not like I'm saying you got to win the Super Bowl. Just take them to the playoffs. And you haven't even been able to do that. And it's looking at like, as of right now, he's not going to be able to do that. You know, and, and I might eat my words and, and, and the Chargers might sneak into the playoffs. But as of right now, I don't think they're making the playoffs. And if Justin Herbert gets added to this list, he's a fraud. He's a fraud. And, but ultimately, Justin Herbert, he's going to have to up his play in order for uh, the Chargers to make the playoffs this season if they do want to. Look, he he's makes a couple flashy throws. He had that uh, what 70-yard bomb that he threw in the first half to be able to give the Chargers the lead. But his overall play, it just hasn't been good enough. Mahomes looked like in a whole different stratosphere to him. He just looks like a, a, a so much better player, in my opinion. But, you know, part of maybe the reason why Justin Herbert isn't quite looking as good as potentially he should, given everything, Brandon Staley. This guy, this guy's more of a fraud than Herbert. How does this guy have a job? This, guy's the, this guy might be the worst head coach in the NFL. He's worse than Nathaniel Hackett. This guy, is, oh my is God. Absolute, this guy is Jesus. an absolute horrible coach. If, if this guy does not get fired at the end of the season, I'm going to be shocked. I'm going to be shocked, even if they make the playoffs. Because every game, it's always something where it's like, oh, man, Brandon Staley might have cost the Chargers again. He might have made a mistake coaching. This game, he had a fourth and in inches where he, he, he should have gone for it. Instead... You punt. You give the ball back to Patrick Mahomes playing the field position game. Patrick Mahomes, what does he do? He dices you up, and, and he gets the touchdown. You have to play aggressive to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. You're giving the ball back to Patrick Mahomes. I don't care if you put him on the one-yard line. You make the perfect punt. You, you cough and corner his ass. The perfect punt at the one-yard line. It doesn't matter. It's Patrick Mahomes. He can take in 99 yards, and, and, and that's what he did. It's It's just... Every week, there's another mistake with Brandon Staley. He, he, he's an absolute terrible coach. Get Brandon Staley out of there. That's why I can't even be as harsh on Justin Herbert as I fully want to because I know how bad Brandon Staley is. However, I still think Herbert is slightly fraudulent. I do. But Brandon Staley is, is, is even more of a fraud. He's an absolutely terrible coach. It, look, the reason why the Chiefs are where they are and the Chargers are where they are, Andy Reid, Brandon Andy Staley. Reed. You gotta have a good coach. Leaps, leaps and bounds, leaps and bounds. So you gotta have a good coach. I can't coach. disagree. He, he, like he's just the fact that you gave Brandon Staley the the this team. Let's just say that everyone was healthy. You got some of the best in the NFL. You got J.C. Jackson. You got Khalil Mack. You got Joey Bosa. Obviously, you got Justin Herbert. You got Austin Eckler, and they're all getting coached by this fraud, Brandon Staley. I mean, oh my god. But you know, my, my Super Bowl pick is in the mud, pretty much. Uh, yeah. And, and that's my yeah. It's just it's uh, funny uh, that uh, it's funny. Both of my Super Bowl LA. teams are on the verge of not making the Super Bowl or not even making the playoffs. I mean, the, the, no, yeah, the, this is something we um we joked about. What, what was it? Uh, today, even when, when we we're talking about the World Cup, that uh, I picked Argentina and uh, Argentina and what what Argentina France. and France, and it was it was when France were losing. I was like. What, what what would be the odds that bo- both my teams don't don't make don't make it out the round at all? 
you're you're too at uh, the LA the the LA Super Bowl that you chose. It looks like they might not even make it to play. Well, the Rams have no chance, and and like I said, yeah, I no don't think chance. Chargers are either. I don't think the Chargers. And the Chargers, are, uh, like you know, they're 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 gonna need a lot of things to go right for that to happen. But you know, no one could have predicted the Rams have been this bad. It, it it's just a complete wash. It's like Aaron Donald, man. I, if I'm Aaron Donald, I'm like, why the hell did I come back for this? What what, what the hell? Should have re- should have retired, man. Retired on top, but obviously. Hindsight 2020, no one would have known that this would have happened. But, you know, it's just how it's how shit goes, you know? Just how yeah. it goes. Yeah. But, but you know, still still on the, the Chiefs, you know, you're, you're talking about Travis Kelsey. And Travis Kelsey having a huge game, actually surpassing Gronk in most consecutive – not consecutive, but most total 100-yard games for a tight end. And – the, the conversation has to be brought back up again because I think I've never directly asked you. I think you mentioned that. I already think I know you're standing, but is Travis Kelsey the greatest tight end of all time? Travis Kelsey, man, he continues to put on a show every single week. Travis Kelsey is the greatest tight end of all time. He has made the loss of Tyreek Hill in this Chiefs offense look minuscule. He has He's filled the void. Obviously, he was already there, but... He has just he's taken an even more advanced role in this offense and being the focal point without Tyreek Hill. And he's done it to a T. I mean, he absolutely lit up the Chargers. And he and for the most part, he had Derwin James on him. And he put up those numbers with Derwin James on him. I mean, my God, it was just an absolute, it was just an absolute killing. Six catches, 115 yards, and three touchdowns, obviously, and including the game-winning touchdown. It was just one of those things. That particular game, it just it showed how good he is. And we've seen it all of this season. We've seen it in previous seasons. The only competition is, is Gronk. And Prime Gronk was something special. It really was. But this Travis Kelsey season for me, and, and, and I know he's going to be able to continue to do this in years to come, which also plays into my thought process a little bit of him going to be the greatest tenant of all time. He is the greatest tight end of all time. He's more dynamic, I would say, than Gronk. He moves better than Gronk. He's able to to run faster than Gronk down the field. I, I, you know, I don't think that's crazy to say. Obviously, Gronk was able to hit big plays, but you can hit uh, Travis Kelsey on a slant and he'll take it fifty yards for the touchdown. You know, he took one thirty yards for the touchdown uh, for the Chiefs. I think twice in that game. So it's one of the things he is able to take the ball when he gets it in the middle of the field and run with it after the catch. More so than, than Gronk, he was just tough to tackle. Travis Kelsey is tough to tackle, but he's also elusive. He gets so open. I, I, I don't know how this happens, and this, this is a whole other point. I do not know how Travis Kelsey gets so open. Bro. He's either, the, he's either the, the greatest route running tight end of all time or teams <laughs> just, or, or teams just I don't know, teams just they forget to cover number 87 wearing white and red. I don't know. He's always so open. And it and that just goes to show his greatness. Obviously, you know, you can't even really make the argument that, oh, he's got Patrick Rome as the greatest quarterback in the game. You know, Gronk had Tom Brady. So it's like they both are wearing elite situations. They both had great coaches, great quarterbacks. And that's why they're in this conversation as being the best two tight ends ever. But if 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 we're if we're to we're playing a it's like a what we're playing pickup football and I got prime Gronk and I got prime Travis Kelsey. 
who do I who do I want to be my tight end? Give me Travis Kelsey. You know, I'm not willing to give it up yet. I think Tra- Travis Kelsey is the greatest receiving tight end of all time. I think, you know, he's I, I, I think he's a little bit more of a 6'5, 250-pound wide receiver masquerading as a tight end. You know, don't don't get me wrong. He's he, yeah, I, I'll give it to him. He's the greatest receiving uh tight end of all time. But just from what everything Gronk did, that Gronk was as good as an offensive threat, probably the most dominant player I've ever seen in my entire life. And the fact that he could block, you know, um, Kelsey could chip, he, you know, he, he, he get a little chip in there, but Gronk could block. Uh, he could do everything a tight end, you know, old school tight end could do and everything uh, offensively that you would want from a player. He was just a transcendent, you know, I, I think I compare him to, if, he, if we're talking about other sports, I compare it to Shaq. That he was just unstoppable when he was at his peak, there was no stopping him because he ha- he he wasn't as elusive as Tra- Travis Kelsey, but he could move. He was dancing bear. He was you know you couldn't get him down. He'd go through, uh, he'd go through you, you throw three ta- th- three people at him. He'll go through them all. It was somebody, just a force of nature, and I think that Travis Kelsey's on his way. To surpassing him but i'm not ready to give it up just yet because just even when you know we we saw we saw the matchup in the super bowl we, we saw kelsey versus gronk and we saw who got the better of who realistically gronk gronk even that was already gronk way past it gronk in his prime i think no one touches gronk at his prime i think the only thing kelsey has on gronk is longevity is that kelsey is able to stay a little bit more healthier over a long period of time, but if we're t- if we're taking if we're taking incremental like oh we're taking like this this season Gronk versus this season Kelsey you know like you know the peak Gronk versus peak I I, it, it, I don't even have to think I don't even have to think about that I'm taking I'm taking Gronkowski not not even I don't even have to think about it absolutely not he's just a monster but. And it's not in. I'm not gonna sit here and you know completely put down Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey is a top three tight end, no matter what. There's no doubt he, you know, he's he's a uh, fighting. He's right now. I have him at two, two or three. You know, you know, whoever you wanna, you know, th- uh, throw in there. But he's in that top three range. But at this moment, right now, I'm not ready to give it up for Gronk because he's just the the most dominant thing I've ever seen in my eyes. Yeah, I mean it's fair because. For a large portion of my childhood, I had to watch Prime Gronk <laughs> terrorize my my team, uh, along with Tom Brady. So I, you know, I can remember just how good Gronk was, especially in his prime. It, it was a force to be reckoned with. And to, you know, if you had told me uh, I would see a tight end that even competing with them, uh, I, I would have said, "Wow, you know, that's unbelievable." And we're seeing, you know, the tight end position become more and more utilized. And we're seeing we we've seen a tight end now in Travis Kelsey who. You know, look, he might not, you know, you're saying he's he's not, you know, quite as good as prime Gronk. You know, I, I think he's just right up there with him. I think he's, he maybe even edges it out. And I think he does probably edge it out for me, you know, which is why I'm, I'm taking him because of, you know, what he can do once he catches the ball. I think, you know, the point that you make, we know about as being a full tight end, including blocking. It's a fair point. You know, obviously the game 
has transitioned slightly and the more most important thing for a tight end, I would say now, maybe compared to when Gronk was first starting out, when Gronk was first starting out and Gronk was entering his prime, you had to be a good blocker and you had to be able to catch. And especially for a Bill Belichick coach team, you had to be able to block. You know, you wouldn't have even been playing if you couldn't block. More so than the way football has transitioned to now, like you said, it's how he's, a, he's a six five wide receiver. And, and I can and that's a fair point, but it's just it, it just goes back to it. It's it doesn't diminish how he is no, as a it, tight it end. Becomes, I'm just, yeah. It just becomes hard to a certain extent to compare players because of different things that they had to do to contribute to their team. And it's just, when you really break it down, I, I can say that you made a fair point considering the, the full tight end position, you know, especially given the history of it. I, I'm more just, uh, maybe the proper thing that I uh, would have said would be, uh, you know, receiving tight end. You know, like you said, you said you think he's the greatest receiving tight end as well. I, and, I, and I tend to agree with that. But I think by the time Kelsey hangs up his cleats. When, when Kelsey's done, I think it's going to be, be, a, it's not gonna be, it's gonna be a, a very, really hard to, you know, even make a debate out of it anymore. But, you know, you're just going to really, because you won't be able to have stats anymore, really, to, to, to back it up no more. Because, I mean, Kelsey's just going to take every almost, every other record. than, other than super, uh, other than like maybe what, Super rings. Bowls, like he's, he's probably not going to, and yeah, no, Ke- yeah, Kelsey's not gonna stuff, he's probably not going to get, yeah, they're probably, probably not. But like when, when it comes to individual stats and stuff like that, it's, it's, it's not going to be close. Really, all you're going to have is like that one, like, oh, like who would you choose on their day? And, you know, I think at a certain point you have to, you do have to give it up, even though, because it's like after so many, you know, seasons of Kelsey doing this over and over and over again, because, you know, you, you can get those old heads being like, oh, this random guy in the 1980s, in his best day, he's better than anybody. It's like, okay, ch- chill out, you know? It's like, um, you gotta take if Kelsey does this. Both. Take Shannon Sharp for both right now, but you know, and I, if he keeps doing this over and over again, he's gonna, it's gonna be no doubt. I mean, it's not gonna really be much of a conversation. But that's why I said I'm at this moment right now. I'm still not ready to give it up. You know, it's a, it's a fair it's a fair argument to have, and I think it's a debate that is going to be had for for many years to come because we already know Gronk and his legacy and what he was, and. Kelsey's continuing to build his legacy and we know he's going to continue to be a force to be reckoned with as long as he stays healthy. And he seems to be pretty decent at staying healthy, you know, I'll give him credit to yeah, that. Considering, yeah. considering how injury uh, plagued Gronk was to a certain just, extent. It's just how they played as well. Cause uh, you know, I think um, Kelsey's a little bit more, fin- a little bit more finesse. Like he, when he has to go through somebody, he'll, he'll go through somebody, but he's a little bit more like he'll dance around. He's got, he's got amazing footwork with yeah. uh Gronk. He was a wrecking ball. He was literally, you know, <laughs> that's what he was. He, he, he was, was a sledgehammer. Yeah, like uh, that That was what, you know, Grunk was never, you know, playing on the side of caution. It's like, you know, he's going he's going head first, shoulder first, spine first, like everything he's doing. Caution out the window. It's gone. And people had to change how they tackled him. Like they, they'd go for his knees. They'd destroy his knees. It's just how how it was because, I mean, Gronk, Gronk had the thing that you can't, you're gonna have to do something special to tackle Gronk. So players had to adjust how they tackled him, and a lot of that led to him getting hurt a lot. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, that's that's the only way I could think of to tackle him. I mean, if you hit Gronk in the upper body, you ain't tackling him. It's just <laughs> it's, not, it's not working. It's not it's not gonna work. But you know, 
I think that that uh, wraps up for that one. But with week 12 coming up, we usually do this at the beginning of the episode, but we moved it towards a later due to the World Cup and everything. But I think it's time for us to get into our week 12 predictions. It is, yeah. yeah so I'm going to I'm, I'm let you take, take uh, the lead of this one like you always do. So go yeah. at it. So, you know, you've already introduced it very well. So let's just get straight into it. Week 12, NFL pick them. Let's go. Bills versus Lions. Give me the Bills. Got the Bills. Giants versus Cowboys. Give me the Cowboys. Come on, Cowboys. Pats versus Vikings. Give me the Vikings to rebound. I'll take the Vikings. Texans versus Dolphins. Uh, I got the Dolphins. Dolphins. Bengals versus Titans. Uh, It's going to be a close game, but I got the Titans. I got the Bengals. Broncos versus Panthers. I got the Broncos. I got the Broncos. Bears versus Jets. I I got the Bears. I got the Jets. Oh, my. Falcons versus Commanders. I got the Commanders. I got the Falcons. Bucks versus Browns. I got the Bucks. I got the Bucks. Ravens versus Jags. I got the Ravens. Ravens. Raiders versus Seahawks. I got the Seahawks. I got the Seahawks. Chargers versus Cardinals. Uh, I got the Chargers on this one. I got the Chargers. Saints versus 49ers. I I got the 49ers. Got the 49ers. Rams versus Chiefs. I got the Chiefs. Oh, God. I got the Chiefs. Packers versus Eagles. I got the Eagles. (laughs) I got the Eagles. And then Steelers versus Colts. I got the Colts. I got the Steelers. We had a couple of different picks in there. I got, oh yeah, a couple of them. Most most of them the same. You know, it's hard. We're not going to have very much differences of you know Packers, Eagles, or Rams or Chiefs or <laughs> even Saints and 49ers. But you know, no, definitely um, not. Yeah, there's a couple that you know I think 50-50 games like the ones not I can yet. think of like Steelers, Colts. That could be a 50-50. Um, For sure. Char- Chargers. Cardinals, I think that could be a pretty close game. You know, that that was what I had to think about. Seahawks, Raiders, possibly. Seahawks would have been pretty bad. Uh, Broncos, Panthers could be a close game. I was thinking the be. Panthers. But, I was thinking because uh, the yeah. Broncos are so bad. You know, I was thinking the Panthers. Broncos are so, so horrible. Bengals, Titans, that one. I was thinking That's a little a bit. I'd be thinking, you know. I, I, I was so tempted to pick you know, the Bengals. But I just trust that Tennessee Titan defense led by Mike Rabel, who we talked about earlier. I just trust him to yeah. get it done. Yeah, uh, the the Bengals know know a thing or two about beating the Titans, so I'll I'll, t- I'll take the Bengals and I'll take Joey B. And I think that was the only other close one. I think the Patriots could be a little little, little uh, you know spicy for the Vikings, but I think the Vikings will tough that. it out. And. Uh, other than that, I don't think that there's any other one that is kind yeah, of on the radar. I, I, this week is going to be a bit of a snooze fest, I would say. It's not really too many. Not a lot of games that I, I'm bite, I'm biting at the bit. That I think I'll probably. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll always like keep an eye on a lot of these games, but there's not like one that I'm gonna definitely put on the big screen TV and that I'm watching. You know, like maybe. Yeah. Like obviously, those Thanksgiving Day games are going to be getting are going to be getting watched, but. Yeah, yeah, it's got gotta be. Yeah. But you know, for me, uh, uh, the, my my game I'm most looking forward to is that uh, Thanksgiving Day Giants Cowboys game because I think it's yeah, gonna be yeah. A good game. But 
It's going to be basically Dak, Dak versus Cooper Rush because Cooper Rush beat that team, and now you're going to be expecting Dak to beat it. So it's going to be yeah, it could be interesting, which I I, I suppose he's going to because Cowboys are playing really good. Yeah, no, hundred percent. But one game in particular, uh, we're not going to oh you know fully go in depth into it. But you picked the Jets, I picked the Bears. There is one reason and one reason only oh God. why I picked the Chicago Bears to win this game. And we'll get your thoughts on it. Zach Wilson. He's getting all the media scrutiny. He absolutely let the team down last game against the New England Patriots. Only way they would put up three points. Uh, ultimately, that was a, a game that they needed to win. Ultimately, now they have fallen back down into last place in the ever so tough AFC East division, which is basically a heavyweight boxing match at this point. Jesus Christ, all four teams are, are pretty damn good. But... Zach Wilson, my God, you are the worst quarterback in the NFL. The worst. You, you are, might be worse than Davis Mills. Look, last season, nine touchdowns, 11 interceptions. It wasn't, right, it wasn't time to write you off completely. It wasn't time. You know, he had a 55% completion percentage, which isn't good. 2,334 uh, yards. You know, not, not not great by any stretch. This season, you know, it was time to switch the narrative. You know, he might be coming alive. Well, this is Zach Wilson's version of coming alive. Four touchdowns, five interceptions, 55% completion percentage, and so far, 1,279 yards. Woo, he's done it. He's came alive, and he has been absolutely terrible. Like I kind of expected, Zach Wilson, I knew he was not good. What was most telling Last week against the New England Patriots, who they have a good defense, you know, led by Bill Belichick, the greatest coach of all time, in my opinion. Look, I don't care if you have God himself as the defensive coordinator of the New England Patriots. You cannot get two yards in the second half. Two yards. Two. Two. Two yards in the second half. Look, they averaged 2.77 inches per play in the second half. 2.77 2.77 inches. That's unheard of. Unheard. I've never even. It, it's unbelievable. How could you? How how could you be this bad? How? This guy is absolutely terrible. He's holding this Jets team back because the Jets they have a pretty solid team everywhere else except for the quarterback position. Zach Wilson is so so bad. He should be out of the league at this point. He shouldn't even be in the XFL. He should not even be in the Canadian Football League. Go back to, to where you came from, BYU. Go back to Utah and, and, and live a nice life because you are not a quarterback anymore. This guy is not good. He's going to be out of the league. If the Jets do not move on from Zach Wilson after this season, I'll, I'll be absolutely shocked. And if, as if he could make the matters any worse. And, and believe me, it's hard to get much worse than 2.77 inches per play. But he somehow he managed to do it. Because in the post-game press conference, they give him a, a layup question, all, basically giving him the free opportunity to, to take accountability. And what does he do? He says he did not let the defense down. If 2.77 inches is not letting the defense down, and I don't know what is. This defense for the Jets gave up three points, and then basically you know, they had a punt return, but that doesn't, I'm not, the defense didn't really give that up. So they gave up three points. And they lost the game. 
it's an absolutely pathetic quarterback performance. It's an absolutely pathetic offensive performance. And I'll be interested to see what you have to say because this is undefendable. This is undefendable. I can only compare this. If there's people out there trying to defend this uh, Zach Wilson performance, it's almost like you know being the lawyer that got assigned Jeffrey Dahmer, man. It's like it, there is no there is no defense. I mean, what what can what can you do, man? It's like I saw Zach Wilson was making Jets fans cry. They were crying because how bad he's been playing. Like this, like I I thought you know I never thought Zach Wilson was this life changer. I thought he was just an average quarterback, but to to what he's been. So what I've seen is just like this Jets team is winning in spite of Zach Wilson. Even when he was hurt, like when, when he was hurt, people were like, oh, when Zach Wilson comes back, this is going to be better. It's gotten worse. It's like gotten worse. Re- realistically, he should not start next game. I, he, he, realistically, you, you play the backup. I don't care who you play. Like well, Elijah, uh, Elijah, Elijah Moore, are, are you mad at wide receiver? Put put him at uh, damn uh, – Quarterback, who gives a shit? I saw I saw Elijah Moore actually post a picture on his story of just him throwing the football around. Get him in there, man! I think right. anything has to be better. Anything has to be better at this point because, like, shit. There's there's nothing we can say. I mean, like, <laughs> he's making the fans cry, man. It's not even anger no more. It's just sorrow. <laughs> this is this is just horrible. Like. It's it's like Zach Wilson's taking their souls, and you know, I think there is nothing you can really do. You have to get rid of them. You have to do something like you can't even give this guy away. You can't you can't you know you're gonna have to pay somebody to take him from you, or you're just gonna have to terminate his contract and send him home. Just send him home. Realistically, man, <laughs> that's it's the like best option. I mean, anything to get I, him off the team. Send send him back to college. I mean, like, there's nothing you can do because. You're holding this Jets team back. This Jets team is pretty good. It's not bad, but not bad it's at all. playing. It's playing with like a two thousand pound noose tied around his neck, and it's trying to drag this Zach Wilson dead body around. It's like you, you got you got to cut you got to cut your losses. It's, it's over. I mean, it's you know you, you've given it time and you've you've given him time, but it's not changing. I don't think he's gonna flip the script. You know, picking. Zach Wilson over Justin Fields might be the it's worst good, draft move I, I've ever even heard of at this point. I mean, the fact that this guy was was the number two overall pick. I mean, my <laughs> God, my God, my uh, like, it's like, like it's absolutely pathetic. And and, and it's uh, look if the Jets want to keep him, I'm be my guest because it'll just make it easier for my Dolphins to be able to continue to dominate. But uh, you know, being a neutral. A neutral observer of football, there's just no way. There's no way the Jets will do it. Robert Sala, he's a smart football coach. He isn't. He knows deep down that Zach Wilson is holding the team back. I mean, you don't have to be an NFL coach to figure that out. I mean, you don't have to be a genius. You don't have to be Albert Einstein, Stephen Hawking. You don't have to be that type of guy to know that Zach Wilson is absolutely terrible and he's he's holding the team back. I mean, they got to find a way to get rid of him. And I and I 100% agree with your point. He shouldn't even be starting next game. Joe Flacco should be the starter against these Bears. He should be. Like, like, is Joe Flacco washed? Is he good? 
He's washed. Yes, he's washed. And no, he's not particularly good. But he's better than Zach Wilson. He is better. Anything is better. 2.77 inches. It's like, what? Unheard of. 2.77 inches. And that's the reason why I continue to harp on that. It's just because it's so dumbfounding. It's so unbelievable. It, it it's one of those stats that it's it comes around once in a blue moon, and it's like what is this real? It it, it it it's real, and I had the honor of watching that game on CBS. It was on TV. I because I was rooting for the Patriots to win that game, and, and oh my, I mean it, it was just an absolutely pathetic performance. And and Mac Jones did not look much better, but he's better than Zach Wilson. I mean Mac Jones didn't look like yeah. no world beater, but it's clear as day that Mac Jones is better than Zach Wilson, but that's a topic for another day. Talk about Mac Jones because he he's not looking good either. Patriots might be needing to move on too. But but the main reason why we're here, Zach Wilson is a fraud. Continue to be a fraud. Get him out of there. Uh, and you know you you were ironically defending him, which is good to know because part of me part of me thought that you were going to come on here and find a way to spin this and say it's, that Zach Wilson. Like is, I, I thought it was coming, you know, right? I was going to be like, "There's no way." But I'm I mean, glad you there's there's no that. statistical category to defend this. <laughs> I, I swear, I can't I even say nothing, man. I thought you would find a way. It's just uh, is that I can do it as as much as a. I kind of, you know, it was kind of for banter, you know, like I kind of was a Zach Wilson, you know, supporter for banter, but it's, it's just like, it's it's like that one guy in that you knew in school that kept on ma- making like these dark jokes and it's like, it's not, it's not good no more. It's like, it's not working no more. You just can't like, it's not good no more. Yeah. No, yeah, no. It, his time, his ship has sailed as a quarterback in the NFL and I'd be shocked if he even becomes a backup anywhere. I mean, like I said, he should be in. He shouldn't even be in the XFL. So they should get Cooper Rush. Give me Cooper Rush. Get Cooper Rush, dude. I mean, it's good. If Cooper Rush was the quarterback of this Jets team, they're probably a perennial playoff team. I mean, they probably yeah, probably the playoffs. But But, you know. With oh, all that being, said. I thought you know I was saying, but to to, to transition onto the ending here, yeah. but I thought you had something final to say. But no, I think no, uh, you no. know, but all, all things considered, I think uh, that pretty much you know wraps up what we were uh, we got on the topics list. You know, another three hour episode. You know, we've hit back to back three hours. You know, back Come to on. back three hours. You know, we, we we've done it again. We've hit the we've hit the mark of three hours. So probably wait, like I said, wait. nobody's watching at this point. You know, just my mom. You know, she, she laughed at uh, she laughed last week at uh me saying hi. So this is my she, uh, she makes she makes that. it at three hours, man. I she mean, does. You know, I'll, I'll give her credit to that. That's she's fair. gonna see. That's she's fair. gonna see the Zach Wilson slander. You know, but that's gonna it, be a real know, anyway. What one one of these? I, I think when we start getting closer to five hundred, I'm just gonna randomly put like a some type of gift card code at three hours just to see. And I bet you we're going to have it for a while. Like I, you know, it's going to be for the, you know, the, but your mom's disqualified. Your mom can't do it. She's, she won't even know how to redeem something like that. <laughs> no, but yeah, that that's something we, we would probably do in the future. But yeah, because I, to be, to be fair, I, I love watching podcasts. I can't even watch them for that long. It's like, you know, it, when you they get to that long, I, you know, I, I take them in increments. I take exactly them in increments. In increments. Yeah. 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 And that's yeah. the beauty, you know, and, and that kind of transitions into what I was going to say. 
uh, it's the beauty of, of clips. You know, we post lots of reels. We post uh, we, like we're getting on our YouTube clip grind. You know, we posted, I think, six clips from the last episode. You know, for, so for anybody that is, you know, well, if you made it to this point, you don't really need to watch the clips because you've watched the whole thing. But <laughs> whole thing. tap into the clips anyway. And if you missed it, you missed a segment, you skipped to the end because you wanted to see what we were saying. Watch some of the clips because we're going to be grinding them out. We're going to make plenty of reels. We got uh, some YouTube clips coming through. We're going to continue to try to run it up. Like we said in the intro, you know, we're on the grind. We're on to come up. You know, we're trying to pump out as much content as possible. And, you know, with all that being said, you know, anything you wanted to say before we uh, get out of here? You know, uh, other than, yeah, uh, doubling down on the fact that, you know, we're, we're constantly pumping out clips on all platforms. We really, really want to hear from you guys. Anybody that has to say anything negative, positive, we don't care. We like seeing it all because that's the beauty of sports. That's why we all watch sports. We all watch sports because we all have opinions on things. And we want to say our opinions and we want to be heard. So that's what we're about. We want, no matter what you say, we're going to respond and we're going to see it. Even if you're calling, you know, us stupid for, you know, how, you know, maybe you're that one guy that thinks Zach Wilson is him. Maybe you're that one guy. Please come forward and we'll, we'll we just want to talk to you. I want to, uh, like, I want to, you know, dissect your brain, dude. I want to, I want to understand. I would love to know. I would love to know what's I, I, lo- I love to, to know what I'm not seeing exactly. Maybe I need a new TV or something. But um, I mean, I was getting I was getting you know, called a fraud for not picking Croatia and stuff. You know, say so, hey, you know, yeah, I hold my hands up. You know, I I I pick guitar. I mean, <laughs> it's not it's not looking good. But uh, you know that that's what the beauty it's sports. The beauty of that's it, why you know? we we get together. We we're able to talk. We're able to talk about it for three hours because it's it's just what it's how it's how it is. And we're we're so you know we're given the chance to especially with the World Cup around the to cover it and um, just spread out and try and try and have more connections with people. We never even, we, we never met. We never ever meet in our lives. We just, we just like yeah. spreading, spreading the beauty of the game. Yeah. And it's one of those things, you know, by the time next episode rolls around, we'll, we're going to have so many more games to talk about so many more storylines to talk about. And, you know, we'll have another week of NFL to talk about. So it's going to be interesting to see how this next week, a week of sports plays out, you know, where we keeping a close eye on it because, you know, next episode we'll be talking about it. So, you know, if you got anything that you want to see us discuss, you know, leave that in the comments down below. Leave your thoughts on anything we did talk about in the comments down below. And if you did make it this far, leave. Oh, while you're leaving a comment, hit the subscribe button. You know, like I said, we're on the we're on the grind, and we're trying to get to a uh, thousand, and then ultimately even further than that. But you know, right now we're at three thirty seven. So we appreciate all the support. Uh, any final words, G? No, I'm I'm all good. Well, with all that being said, man, thank you all for checking out episode 29 of the Shooter Straight Podcast. We appreciate the continued support. We're going to continue to run it up. With all that being said, I'm your co-host, Zach. I'm your co-host, G. And we'll see you all next time, man. Peace. Peace.